And ladies and gentlemen of the jury, the prosecution is not going to get that man today. No. Because I'm going to get him. And welcome to this edition of the Hagman and Hagman Report. We're coming to you live from our radio and television studios here in beautiful, blustery northwest Pennsylvania, where we're heard live weeknights, Monday through Friday, 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern Time on the Global Star Radio Network, our flagship network. We're also simulcast on Blog Talk Radio. You can watch us live on our YouTube channel, links to each uh, broadcasting venue. Available at hagmanandhagman.com. Just simply go down, scroll down to the bottom area there. And you've got the phone numbers for listening live uh, through the satellite. I mean, all the options are there for you. I'm Doug Hagman at the helm with fellow investigator, researcher, and most importantly, my son, Joe Hagman. Together, we are the Hagman and the Hagman Report, what I like to call America's premier father-son investigative reporting team. Thanks for joining us today. Thank you so much for your emails, for your kind words, for your uh, uh, letters of support. Uh, very much appreciated. The emails start rolling in while they're 24-7, basically, so... From all over the world, we really appreciate the uh, kind words you have for all of us. And for those new to the program, we dig deep into topics that the mass media won't and never will, of course, and uh, get to the bottom. Look at uh, the conspiratorial aspects of uh, of history and of current events, and dissect those events accordingly. Portions of the night's broadcast, folks, brought to you, brought to you by Pro Flowers. Now, you know, let me ask you guys something, the men out there, have you? Uh, are you all set for Valentine's Day? Are you? How about your wife, your mom? You got that covered? No? Uh, I'm hearing no. Well, I'll tell you what. Here's what we're going to do. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to direct you to proflowers.com. That's right, proflowers.com. Go there, and in the microphone box in the upper right-hand corner, enter our microphone code HAGMAN. That's right, HAGMAN, H-A-G-M-A-N-N, real simple. And that'll take you to our special place at proflowers.com. And later I'll tell you the very special, special deal they have for Hagman and Hagman listeners. That's right, listeners of this program. But now, I'll tell you, we, we got a very good show for you planned for tonight. Very good show planned. Um, author Dan Goodwin, and author and evangelist Dan Goodwin are going to be on uh, top of the next hour, staying with us for the remainder of that show, or the show. He's the author of God's Final yeah. Jubilee. He's been a speaker at the Prophecy in the News conferences, and we had the uh, pleasure of interviewing, him, meeting and interviewing him, um, both <clears throat> uh, meeting him at the conference and listening to him give one of his presentations, as well as uh, doing the interview for the Prophecy in the News DVD. He is a, uh, a very smart man, and again, his book, God's Final Jubilee, he has a new edition out. You can't actually buy the old one. The new edition, God's Final Jubilee, has uh, three or four additional chapters as well as other information that he has added on that we will talk about with him when he joins us. Actually, it's uh, in, in fact, yeah, it, it's it's an interesting book. Um, you know, we've got a lot a lot to talk about with with him tonight. Now, from our resident resident uh, expert of all things Baltic Dry Index. Larry, 
<laughs> from Santa Clarita. How's it looking uh, today? Well, lost the, down another point to close at a new record low of two nine seven. Wow. Yeah, that's a hidden nine, actually, a uh, hidden eighteen, whatever you want. I mean, or actually a hidden three. You know, um, when you when you in, in occult numerology, I, su- I suppose when, when you when you look at the these figures, and I do believe that the figures uh, are such that uh, the numbers are such that. Uh, well, in addition to being a very dismal, uh, offering a very dismal window into what's coming, I think that, I think that these numbers here tell uh, tell a specific tale. Uh, you know, uh, you just and have to look at these. I talked with economist Jerry Robinson today. He's going to be joining us on the 17th, Wednesday, February 17th. Uh, followthemoney.com is his website. And I did not get a chance to ask him about the Baltic Dry Index, but <clears throat> I would like to know. At what point does panic mode set in, or will it go unnoticed? And uh, uh, if unreported, you know, you you can't hear it, you can't see it, it doesn't affect me kind of mentality. Yeah, that's interesting because how many people really heard of the Baltic Dry Index before it started really tanking, or even before 2008? It's been around since 1985, and and now it's just become a... People have been familiar with it. I just don't think that attention's been paid to it, nor... um, well, it's yeah, important. has yeah. been been really. I mean, when you have the Dow Jones fluctuating hundreds of points and financial and currency <laughs> crashes across you know different parts of the world to uh, bailouts and bail-ins and uh, all the uh, financial uh, manipulation that we've seen over the last few years, yep. uh, even with metals and commodities, the Baltic Dry Index has never been an issue. But now it, it appears it is a very serious one. Oh yeah, yeah, indeed. So uh, for, for those of you watching and listening, if you if you're listening to this and you're saying, "Man, these guys sound a little bit, uh, you know, wall, whatever," what's that mean? I don't know. <laughs> it, well, everyone here is it's it's like a uh, a ward on a uh, tuberculosis floor of hospitals. They still have those. I don't think they do. <laughs> that shows you how old I am. Anyway. Yeah, everyone's hacking and coughing and, and you know. A little stuffy. Oh, man, everyone's yeah. stuffed up and, you know, so give us a little bit of space, all right? And, and, and as you would want to, yeah. So, anyway, uh, a, a lot of, a lot of issues tonight, a lot of things going on in the news. And, you know, um, we have, of course, the Super Bowl coming up. 20, Super Bowl 50. It's interesting. Super Bowl 50. Yeah. And remember, we had Super Bowl Xlex. Last year, excellent. <laughs> All right, that's forty-nine. Roman numerology. This is the first year they're using uh, yeah Arabic numbers or, or you know numbers. And you might think, well, so what? Well, yeah, we're gonna watch this Super Bowl the halftime show very closely because there's something not right about all of this. Now, you know, you might think it's just BS, but and to be honest with you, I'm gonna watch the whole Super Bowl. Yeah. Why? I hope so. You know, I is it, is it, watched, when is it on? It's on Sunday. This Sunday? Probably 6, right. 6.30. And That's my quiet yeah, Since we started doing the radio show, <clears throat> and I've told people this on air, I've been a huge football fan all my life. And my dad used to take me to, I'm a Bills fan, Buffalo yeah. Bills. And my dad used to take me to the Buffalo-Miami games when they were in Buffalo. Back when Dan Marino and Jim Kelly would play each other, and Buffalo actually was a good team. And, uh, you know, those were so much fun always to do that. And I've been a, a big fan ever since, as my grandfather was a big fan. And, and, uh, 
<clears throat> my family uh, has been big fans. Is Joe Namath? Is he still playing? <laughs> Uh, Joe Namath, no, he's not playing. Uh, he, right. he is, uh, I think he retired maybe, I don't know, 30 years ago, 20 years ago. But, um, the amount of football I used to watch, I was the kind of guy who would watch football not only, uh, when my team was playing, but I would want to watch any game that was on, you know, Monday night football, both uh, 1 o'clock and 4 o'clock game Saturdays when the playoffs came around, I'd be sure to watch every single playoff game. Once this show started, my interest in football was taken away from me. It's not that I lost interest or didn't... No, you know, I, we robbed the promo, actually. No, 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 no. no. <laughs> I know, I know. It's just, it, it's just interesting, you know. I was talking with Matt Peterson uh, last week, last Friday, and we talked about how, uh, you know, the Lord will do things in your life and he'll take things away and put attributes into your life that are needed for what his purposes are. And, um, you know, football was one of those things that was unnecessary in my life. And it was uh, some, I mean, I could tell you who the players <laughs> were, what their stats were, what the records were. And uh, obviously the Lord had more important uses for the space that I have left in my mind. But um, the Super Bowl, every year, it's almost like a, a Christmas thing. You get together with friends, family, you have a little party, and, and you, you enjoy it. Um, so that's why I'll be watching the Super Bowl. Well, that's good. Yeah, um, you caught me. Uh, caught me just responding to something here. All right, uh, thank you. And you know, we're going to be watching. Indeed, we are going to be monitoring. Uh, at least here at the studios, I'm going to be coming in probably an hour before, maybe two hours before, and staying an hour or two afterwards. But and I only say that because I'm going to be uh, watching very closely, not just the. Uh, Super Bowl halftime, but also the the uh, uh, potential for something to happen. There's something yeah. not right, folks. I'm telling you right <clears> now, there's something ago, not right about this. Two years ago, Eric, the lights went out at the stadium. Yeah, yeah. Two years ago, there was a, a uh, one of the rarest rarest malfunctions. Uh, the lights at the stadium went out for minutes, at least minutes. Uh, you know, not since the I think it was 87 Baseball World Series where they had the earthquake in San Francisco where they were playing. Had we yeah. seen such an oddity at yeah. a football game? But, yeah, the Super Bowl, as uh, with every large event, sporting event, there is the potential for something to happen. Well, and some people yeah. hype it up as, as, you know, it's a, it's guaranteed going to happen. No, no, because no, subtle clues guaranteed. are always left, all you know, they're 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 left there for people to pick up on like that, and but you just never know. Um. Exactly, and, and folks, if you're just joining us, this is an invitation for all of you to, uh, if you're at home and listening on your computer, pull up a chair here at the conference table, and join us in some conversation about the news and events that are taking place. Uh, this is just conversation, but it's important that uh, the aspects of, of the topics that the, the mainstream media doesn't cover, and much of the alternative media or the new media is not covering as well. I, I, I want to take a moment just to just to say thank you so much uh, to. Uh, to Todd from Global Star Radio Network. I want to say thank you so much to uh, JD and, and Rhonda from uh, HagmanandHagman.com. Yeah, I want to say thank you job. to Rhonda also. Uh, I see how you've been working on the emails, and it's a, a great system and way that you're working that out. So, 
Yes, and of course, uh, Joe Charles uh, from uh, that who does the news, and also Eric the tech over there. Uh, what I thought were beads of sweat last night during one of the calls, actually, uh, it must be a fever that's uh, taking place. So, uh, but Eric, thanks for uh, you know playing hurt, working hard, and everything you do. Now, um, just to be clear, you know, there's something. Well, North Korea, and in case you haven't seen yeah. this, all right, during the Super Bowl, right? North Korea is is they're they're um, talking about uh, launching a nuclear rocket, if you will. I, yeah, I, I, I'm going to be careful about Having this. Having a nuclear because, test. Yeah, you know, it it, it it we could be being well. We, I guarantee you we're being we're all being gamed here. But uh, the Guardian is reporting that North Korea might be launching or might be ready to launch a rocket by the Super Bowl kickoff Sunday. And the satellite images shown on on the uh, website on North, North Korea's or the Guardian website um, suggest, of course, a launch being you know timed maybe for the uh for for the beginning of the Super Bowl. Now you know have F sixteens and yeah run not fly over the, the venue, the stadium where the game is played. I wonder if the the rocket will will follow with its flight. And, uh, I, I just I can almost picture uh, that y'all how many have seen uh, Christmas vacation uh where where the grandmother starts singing the uh National anthem, I guess it was, and the rockets were glare. Yeah. Santa was coming. Yeah, you know, it, we, no, we can make a light of this, but, but I, I think at this point to have uh, these these uh, gremlins basically uh, from North Korea, you know, the uh, the gnomes, the garden gnomes over there in power. Uh, yeah, that's not a good thing because they want to just. I mean, they want to take everybody out now. You know, and and what, that nuclear test, the hydrogen bomb. Uh, they were uh, the media and everyone was kind of poo-pooing that, saying, "Oh, it just didn't work." You know, well, wait a minute. The the fact that they got to this point should be telling, anyway, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. So very much. Uh, and I I do I do suspect. By the way, I, I do believe that probably the Super Bowl is going to be the safest place to be in the <coughs> world, given the fact they're going to be flying the jets and rocket launchers, and you know, everyone's getting. Or, or maybe the most sitting people sitting ducks in the world. I mean, it depends on your perspective, of course. So, uh, the last football game I went to was with a friend of mine <clears throat> named John, and it was the it was a, a Bills home opener, uh, probably five years ago. And what are those big green army planes? Uh, C-130s, cargo C-130s. jets. C-130s. Cargo planes. Well, instead of fighter jets, they had these these C-130s f- fly over. Yeah. yeah. And we were yeah. sitting in the upper deck, and I remember the one plane, it was coming in very, very low. And it was wobbly, right? <laughs> yeah. And honestly, for a split second, I thought that it was going to crash right into the stadium. I mean, it wasn't close. It was still kind of far out. But the way it was coming in, it was like the pilot was shaking and it was descending. And for a split second, I honestly thought we were done for. And, you know, it flew over real low, very loud. It, it made your feelings rattle in your teeth, you know. Uh, I can't imagine. <laughs> I mean, that that was a once-in-a-lifetime uh, once feeling. Yeah. Can you tell folks it's Friday, kind of kicked back, laid back a, a little bit? 
decompressing but i will add that should any events take place now we we have all we have to do really is, is flip a switch and we'll be hot on air and if anything does happen um regardless if it's saturday morning saturday afternoon or during the super bowl we will take to the airwaves uh, now things that we don't cover for example we're not going to be live covering the uh, uh you know the like the event in New Hampshire and Iowa. We don't do that, and the reason we don't do that is because that's really a sideshow. Those are carnival barkers. Actually, uh, the results are already in. Yeah, I, I mean, but, but I'm saying though, really, you get nothing more than carnival barkers uh, you know, the taking sides and talking about the uh, pol- politics and the right and left paradigm and such. And, and really, it's a distraction to really what's going on in the background. Of course, the Iowa uh, caucus uh, in New Hampshire hid the signing of the. TPP, the Trans-Pacific Partnership. Thank you. Thank you, everyone, you know, for, for that, Obama, and thank you for all every member of Congress. That uh, it Really, um, that's a problem. Now, then, of course, as I mentioned earlier, and we talked about North Korea, uh, nuclear power. Now, they give, uh, getting back to that, they do give a, uh, a window between February 8th and 25th as to, as to when, you know, most likely it will be launched. However, um, again, it goes back to, you know, um, what's this telling us? Not what we're, not what the Guardian or what other, what the Western media is telling us, but what is this action, this event in its, in the perspective of the time in which we live? What's this telling us? Uh, you know, it's, it's, it's gotta be telling us that there's something here that, well, you know, War is imminent, and if it's not clear by the geopolitics, Joe, it's clear by the economy, because how can the economy be sustained? They're going to have to have war as an excuse to crash the economy. War has always been an excuse yeah, in order to generate uh, uh, the financial sector uh, to get, get, get it going, or in times of trouble to get it back on track. But, now... We are at a point in history, unlike any other, with our paper currency, which is the world reserve currency backed only by petrodollars and the collateral of the land in the U.S. plus ourselves, the working people. It's taken off the gold standard, as we said many times, and it can only fall so far before, I mean, there's an end game in, in our currency's future. How do we get there? How does it unfold? What happens? Just before the show, we were watching a headline, uh, Chicago to sell its stock exchange to China. <laughs> I mean, did you hear that? Yeah, I did. <laughs> I didn't know those things were up for sale or, or able to be sold, first of all, let alone. No. It's a pattern we see, uh, you know, Half of New York City is owned by China. Yeah, 49% of the commercial real estate in Manhattan is owned by the Chinese. The Waldorf Astoria sold. I mean, how many people remember that as, as an iconic building in Manhattan? I was there. In fact, I um, physically, nearly physically, ran into Henry Kissinger at the Waldorf Astoria in 1986. 80, no, 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 that was 80. I'm sorry, it was 80. Did you autograph? It was in the mid-80s sometime. No, no, but... Um, I I don't even know why I mentioned that except uh you know I looked at him I, and I said hello and you know he gave me this uh, Nazi so no uh, he gave me this uh, Lou 
and uh, and uh, he kept walking. You know, <laughs> watch where you're going. Mm. Uh, but but it's <laughs> a good impression. <laughs> Hey, punk, watch where you're going. Yeah, no, I don't want to be silly, but it was just kind of a, uh, it was interesting because <laughs> now here we sit and, and talking about the very people that, uh, uh, talking about him. But, but, but getting back to the topic, I mean, the commercial real estate in New York City is being sold. You've got these Chinese ghost cities popping up. Um, and, and I recall speaking with uh, one of our, uh, just a good friend from Canada. Uh, he, uh, he was, living in the United States, but he's since moved up to Canada, and he was saying, you know, um, well, when he was in the U.S., he said, the, China, the Chinese are buying up all the cement and plywood. It's just, I mean, it's, it's, yeah. just, it's crazy. He, he mentioned that on there. Somebody mentioned that on there. Yeah. The supplies. Yep. But we, the other thing too, we, we have to watch, and, and I, there are certain things, uh, indicators that, that, uh, I believe that we have to watch now. Uh, of course, the TPP for the economic impact that, that they'll cause, that's going to cause. And we're going to see that, um, obviously, you know, no debate as promised, no 90 days, bang, nope, 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 nope. It's just passed, or, you know, it's just signed on to. Um, it, it and when we were in Washington D.C., the labor unions. Now, I mean, it, it, it's kind of interesting to see the the one-time bedfellows being rearranged, the uh, political alliances being being changed. Um, was it in D.C. that we? I think we were at in D.C. and in, in, in the big uh, sign that said, uh, "Where's the text of the bill?" or "What's in the What's in the bill?" or something. It was by the by the. Uh, one of the, either the Teamsters or one of the big unions. But, I do not remember. Okay, it was somewhere where. In, anyway, the the problem with this is you know the right left paradigm being shattered. We're, we're seeing we're on the same side many times with the people who were we we had uh, we, we were antagonistic with politically or an opposite <clears throat> ideological spectrums part of the ideological spectrum. So, I, I guess what I'm saying here it's. Go back to what George Carlin did in the uh, said in the 1970s, and uh, not that I recommend anyone, hmm. you know, listening to that. However, basically, what he said it's you know it's one big party. You're not invited. You're not in it, and it's no longer you know it, it's us versus them. So it's us versus them in all areas now, um, or them versus us more appropriately. It's bottom line here we're, we're the, the the boot of oppression and tyranny is on the throats of the american public the target of course as we discussed all week kind of a theme here is the middle class the perpetrators the globalists they're using tavistockian uh, ideology and method methodology to institute or to make us love our servitude so all of this is you know there in the the terrorist uh, events whether it be from you can go back into the 80s to the 90s to the uh, to the 2000s, the 9/11. Um, it, it's just incredible. I, I should mention this because I, I don't mention this often. Uh, JD, the uh, from Hagman and Hagman, he, he was at Ground Zero on September 11, 2001. If you haven't seen his <laughs> Neptune Diaries, yeah, is his yeah, YouTube channel. Yeah. If you haven't, if you haven't seen the, it, it's just amazing. Um, the people that that we meet and that. We get to we get to have I mean uh, you know I'm humbled to be uh, talking about uh, 9/11 with him and he was there and he saw the thing I mean he was right there the papers were falling on I his head witness, you know? yeah I the, mean a true eyewitness account yeah. heard the sounds saw the terror 
saw the the people jumping out of the buildings, yeah. saw the aftermath, the the havoc, the panic, the chaos. Yeah, was right in the middle of it, lived it. Which yeah. we'll have to have him come on and explain his his story uh, one of these days. Yeah, no, I I really think uh, it's going to be important for him to do that. Again, Neptune Diaries. It's just right off of uh, HagmanandHagman.com. I, I want to mention as well, uh, folks, uh, about. Uh, well, let me just uh, let, let me just address this because I think this is really important, guys and uh, people. Listen up here. Portions of tonight's broadcast, as I mentioned, brought to you by ProFlowers.com. Well, let me explain something to you. Women like flowers. I, n- I don't know any any woman that doesn't like to get flowers. Now. Some you know I know there's some out there saying oh don't give me flowers. My grandmas did not like them because yeah. they would die. Well, your grandmother didn't like a lot of things. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> me included, you know. <laughs> but no, um, but flowers do make make such a great impression and make people feel so great. Um, look, we we have the Super Bowl this weekend. Uh, well, that's a big game, and and think of the coaches there. If if you've got the game on the line, wouldn't you put? You wouldn't put some rookie player into play. No, you, you would you would tap the best and the brightest and, and the most capable. Well, in this case, when Valentine's Day is fast approaching, why would you rely on any anybody less? The pros at Pro Flowers have everything you need to win this Valentine's Day. I took a picture, and Eric, I'm not sure if it's if you have it or whatever, but I took a picture. Uh, I, I, I'm uh-huh. okay, folks. If you're watching this live on YouTube, there's the, the uh, I got my wife flowers via Pro Flowers because here's the deal: I don't, we don't buy or, or I'm sorry, we don't promote anything that we don't ourselves use or or, or believe in, right? Well, the flowers came today. And a lady thought they were for her. And I took this picture. I think it was, uh, yeah, this is in our family room. That's adorable. Uh, And and we set the flowers down. lady thought the flowers were for her. Anyway, Pro Flowers, folks, they're offering you, the listeners of the Hagman Hagman Report, a dozen roses plus a free glass vase just for $29.99. What you see right there, minus the dog. Don't be messing with the dog. No, don't be messing with the dog. And it, and if you order by midnight tonight, you get free chocolates too. And you know what? My wife loves the chocolates. Oh, are they good? So here's the deal. And deal it is. Pro Flowers is offering to you, our listeners, a dozen red roses plus a free glass vase for just twenty nine ninety nine. And if you order by Friday, that's today at midnight, you get free chocolates as well. Or, or really do it up right and upgrade to a romantic long stem roses with a premium vase. Chocolates and a spa kit for just nine ninety nine more. Go to proflowers.com. Use our code Hagman. They're quick. They're easy. Delivery is fast. Delivery for Valentine's Day is guaranteed. The flowers. Look at the flowers. They're guaranteed to last seven days or your money back. It's really a no-brainer. You can't beat the price. You can't beat the convenience. They take care of the details. You get the glory. Oh, my goodness, do you get the glory. I got a big hug from my wife today. And... Uh, um. Well, here, here, here's a way to get this amazing Valentine's Day deal free with free chocolates for this week only. Again, it expires at midnight tonight. Go to proflowers.com. Click on the blue microphone in the top right-hand corner. Type in Hagman. That's proflowers.com. Click on the microphone and type in any uh, type in my code Hagman. Order today. The deal expires 
tonight at midnight. So there you go, um, making life easier for the guys and for the people out there. It is romantic, isn't it? Romantic. You don't need a special occasion. You don't need Valentine's Day. Don't wait for Valentine's Day. So there. All right. Uh, oh, and I should also mention this. Portions of the nice broadcast also brought to you by Casper. Casper.com. I think of ghosts when I hear Casper. Now they got great mattresses. Casper.com slash CFP radio. Or just go to Hagman.com. Click on the Casper link. That's Casper.com slash CFP radio. And uh, there, I failed to mention something the other day. And shame on me because you talk about a great deal with Casper. Oh, oh my goodness. Well, if you go to Casper.com and, and uh, enter our code there, which is CFP Radio, which, if you go to Casper.com slash CFP Radio and enter our code CFP Radio, guess what? Guess what, guys? Guess what, people? There's a $50 coupon there. Can I get cash? No, no. Against the <laughs> against the purchase of, of or against the purchase of the mattress. All Folks, right. more on that later. But anyway, getting back to the show. I, does anyone else have like this funny feeling about the immediate in the next few months? I'm just going to ask that out there. Um, spiritually, are you spiritually like thinking there's something not right? Maybe you've been thinking that probably forever. I mean, you know, for a long time. But is it getting even deeper and worse? It. Is this or is certain this my days, imagination? Certain days it does, yes. Uh, certain days it's much lighter than others. But you know, things are being delivered, things are being separated, uh, souls are being won to the Lord. People who had no belief in the Lord whatsoever are being uh, changed in the in the moment, in the twinkling of an eye, being brought to Him. While those who have claimed that they were believers have been falling away. And as the changing of the uh, spiritual nature of our planet continues, there will be uh, it will be manifest through attitudes, feelings, yeah, and other emotions. As emotions are something that are part of our human nature, and we have the ability not not a psychic ability, but a, an ability spiritual ability. I think is what you're getting a, a at, right? Spiritual ability to to pick up on heightened states of spiritual uh, intensification, or uh, spiritual warnings, or spiritual the lack of spiritual uh, discernment warnings. Right. Yeah, yeah. You, you know, I, I was going on a, I was doing an investigation. I was going on a. a a trip, uh, a short trip. It was only like forty miles, but uh, I remember this way back when, a uh, number of years ago. And, and uh, I got a little, little voice in the back of my head said, "Don't go, don't go, don't go, don't go." You know, we used to get that every day. Isn't well, it? yeah, but no, that was like, please <laughs> make us go, stay home. You know, <laughs> leaving for New York City and being gone a week, and then come back for a couple of days and go back to New York for a week. Yeah. And it gets old after a while. But but this, you know, this little spiritual um, voice, or this voice in the back of my head was saying, Don, that you, that you don't want to go. Well, anyway, did anything happen? No, it didn't happen. Did I listen to the voice? Yes, I did. So what's the point of the story? Well, listen to that little inner voice, because some call it intuition, some call it uh, uh, just, you know, gut feeling, whatever it might be, but I do think that as the, as we get closer toward the whatever series of events are going to take us take us out of here, when I say out of here, I'm talking about, you know, at the at the end of the age, not the end of the world, but the end of the age, and I'm not referring to rapture, no, 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 no. I'm just talking about 
as we get further down the line in, in time, I do believe that those voices, that spiritual awakening, that spiritual uh, that prompting is going to become much, much more significant. Now, this is just discussion here, right? But I also believe, ramped up on the other side, is the um, the, the bad guys, the, the Luciferian elite, the globalists, they're out there prodding and pushing and, and, and foaming at the mouth and wanting to get their agenda pumped in. You know, I don't know, folks. I'm looking at this, and we we cannot, and this is important. People look at Bible prophecy and biblical events and, and saying, well, we can't really do anything about it. We can't change biblical prophecy. That's right. You can't change biblical prophecy. The, res- the results are up to God. That What we do, the effort is up to us. But the fact that we cannot change biblical prophecy does not give anyone the right, including us or, or anyone listening to this program, the uh, the blank check to, to sit home and uh, you know eat uh, eat uh, crackers and and watch uh, the Super Bowl or, or you know without or it, it's not a pass for inaction, and nor should it be. So just because that we we can't change biblical prophecy does not mean. That we shouldn't we shouldn't uh, play our positions. And speaking of the Super Bowl, we have to play our positions. Want to touch on this? I don't know whether you heard this. Uh, Infowars is carrying this, but this a couple of uh, law enforcement officers had uh, sent this to us uh, here at the Hagman the Hag Report, folks. You can send you can send uh, information if you have got firsthand information to, to us. Just go to Hagman and Hagman, click on the contact page, and, and there the the information now is being processed faster than ever. But this is something that we need to be paying attention about. Joe, uh, did you see this from uh, InfoWars? Now, no. the information that we got, it's a little bit different, okay, than, than what they have, but it's consistent with the topic. It's up there right now? Yeah, it's, <coughs> excuse me, like I said, we're all kind of fighting these nasty uh, whatever it is. But a fusion center in Utah is advising law enforcement to be on the lookout for caravans or extremists traveling through the state en route to Arizona to attend the funeral of Lavoie Finnegan. Now, I got an email, a couple of emails, yeah. uh, saying, well, you didn't talk about uh, Oregon. You didn't talk about Finnegan. Yes, we have. Yes, we have. It's actually a broadcast entitled uh, <laughs> Oregon Standoff. And then after the incident with Finnegan, we did a whole other show on the shooting. Right, that's right, and and we look at this as two different. Um, and people are sending me emails saying, "Well, uh, you know, don't 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 uh, dis Pete uh, uh, Pete Santilli." Now, I've told, look, I've talked to Pete on, on telephone. I know the guy. All right, so I mean, I'm not dissing him. I'm not uh, not even close. Um, I'm questioning a lot of things about the event. There's two, in my view. There's a couple of different events. The, the event what happened in Oregon, and then of course the shooting. Yeah, and there are yeah. two. They've got to be. They've got to be looked at. Separately, it, really, because otherwise, one skews the other, and 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 there's uh, such crap being talked about. About uh, you might disagree with with the with the overtaking or taking over the uh, the federal refuge uh, federal building, federal land building there and land, but even if you disagree with that, you can't look at that shooting of Lavoie Finnicum, and you can't excuse that. I don't care what the hell they were doing there. Okay, yeah. that's an execution. You're right about the <clears throat> distinctions needing needing to be made between. You know what? My wife came in. See, she, she oh she came in the studio. You want to come on camera? You want to come? On? Oh, she. Oh, now that's that's uncalled for. <laughs> we can turn one of these cameras around. That's uncalled for. No, I'm I'm kidding. I'm kidding. No, she. 
What's that? Oh, <laughs> now it's on. No, she. I, I'm joking around. Uh, yeah. No, but the uh, the she brought, the, she brought some coffee. Thank you. The shooting uh, death of Lavoy Finnicum is a separate instance from the standoff at yep. the wildlife refuge in yep. Oregon. And they're, as you said, they need to be looked at as two separate yep. instances because the police intervention only happened on uh, that Oregon highway with two vehicles containing uh, members of the militia who were at the wildlife refuge, but the action again was separate from the refuge. Uh, it, the cause came from taking over of the refuge, but the way that it was handled, uh, was, was, uh, completely, you know, uncalled for. They had, a, they could have resolved it peacefully. And, uh, hold on one second. Hey, Renee. It's, yeah, that's right <laughs> over there. What, what are we looking for? The Hagman and Hagman hat. I was wearing it today, oh. and I left it down here. <laughs> well, no. Also, folks, yeah. Let's. Uh, we can't really. I mean, these are just kind of. Uh, don't. Well, the hats. And, oh, it, there's a, there's this great business that I just want to. I just want to talk about the business that they're putting all this stuff together for us, Megan. And and her family uh, doing yeah. doing this. Megan but, H, we owe you a yeah. phone call. Well, not only we owe you a phone call, we owe you a lot. But um, you're going to hear more about that later because we're talking about Christian-owned businesses right now and and stuff. Uh, so we want to help each other out. And this this business, I mean, they've done so much. But but the fact is this: what we want to what we want to do is uh, a rising tide lifts all boats. And when we look at the landscape of business out there, especially in today's market. The Christian businesses are getting the short shrift of things. And I know that we're just talking about drifting from the topic. No, but okay. I just want to make sure, since you brought up the hats, I want to make sure that, that people know that when the time's ready, we're going to be rolling some things out. Not for, not, not just for self-promotion, but for also to, to, uh, to really, uh, um, for awareness purposes. Because people, well, I'm, I'm going to leave it alone because it's it's not ready for prime time yet. But I just want to mention. Right to say, that, um, Megan's such a great great lady, and the business is so great. You know, mugs, uh, Hagman and Hagman mugs, shirts, sweatshirts, hats, yeah. as well as a few other things. For those who are going to be attending the conference in Dallas, we'll have an opportunity to purchase those. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, we've been to a number of conferences, and each time we go, every presenter speaker has their own table. And their table is full of books and other merchandise that they sell. Useful stuff, right? Yeah. <laughs> and we've been to every conference that we've been to. We've had a table. Yeah. We and the table has problems. had nothing on it except bumper stickers or pens that we've given away. Yeah. But, but this time we want to. Uh, we have so many requests from listeners to um, sell things like Hagman and Hagman shirts or. Uh, people ask for ways that they can purchase something from us at the same time support the show. But but see the way we the way I look at this and and, and thanks you know but the way I look at this is there are two separate issues here just like the the Oregon situation you got the you got the uh, shameless self promotion on our part but you also have the awareness factor and also the Christian businesses you know supporting Christian businesses on the other side so there are two distinctly different situations notice mm-hmm. how I uh, segwayed back into the mm-hmm. topic mm-hmm. right and I, I kind of used a shoehorn to do that or a crowbar but getting back to the topic when we drifted off there because. My lovely the wife Utah the Fusion room. Centers. Yeah, here's the issue. Um, 
And I got this, I got this via email from law enforcement officers in Utah who were saying, look, this is, this is big. You, you ought not to, you know, I mean, you should cover this. You see, um, the law enforcement off, uh, uh, agencies throughout the state of Utah are, we have received memorandums via DHS, via the fusion centers, and every state has fusion centers that, that, that do it well, like they do. They fuse together the different law enforcement agencies. I don't have the number, but uh, last check, there was over 72 or 78 fusion <laughs> centers in the U.S. Right. And, and this, okay, so um, what they're doing is they're handing out uh, these, like, my, remember the MIAC report? Well, they're handing out these, or providing the law enforcement agencies with, with uh, uh, memorandums and directives, uh, law enforcement bulletins, actually. And how they're writing these or how they're presenting these is, is a problem. They're saying law enforcement should remain cognizant of the likelihood and presence of domestic extremists. So anyone attending the funeral of Lavoie Finnegan is a domestic extremist by definition, basically. That's the bottom line. Yeah, and we see these memorandums and the content that they have, uh, such as, you know, the, the DHS memorandum on yeah. anti-abortion extremism or how constitutionalists equate to sovereign citizen movements, which equate to more, more domestic extremism. Exactly. There's, in Utah, I believe it was, there was a, a sheriff or an officer come on tape saying, you know, we're looking for the constitutionalists. And, and, and that's the real story here. It's not the fact that the police are tagging the uh, anyone who uh, goes to the, the funeral of the boy Finnegan uh, as, as a domestic extremist. It's not that the story is not that. The story is the execution of the plans now, the execution and, and the implementation of, um, well, according to, to one law enforcement official, I'm not going to name him, just on the state level, state police, Utah, saying now, what since we have gotten this memo, if it comes to, for example, if, if, if I stop, and, and these are his words now, if I stop, uh, a vehicle that is obviously transiting the state en route to the, the funeral of the wife Finnegan. Um, we are to, I am to take, um, I, I don't want to compromise this officer's, uh, basically it's just, just a step below a felony stop. And it's based uh-huh. on, yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's, it's, um, so people who have no it's, it's not a criminal, felony stop, but it, it it's whatever that would be. There's no suspicion of criminal activity. Right. People attending <laughs> or going to attend the funeral are are being looked at by officers yes, yes. as potential criminal slash extremists. But but without cause. But what what he's saying is because of the designation by way of DHR, uh, from the DHS, by way of the fusion centers to our agency and to all of the police departments across the state, any, any traffic stops, for example, of someone known to be, or let's say they're driving with a Confederate flag or, you know, uh, RIP, Lavoie, or whatever it might be, uh, <coughs> whatever out, outside or obvious, um, what about a crescent? Well, no, that's okay. You could be having the, the you know ISIS flag, and you're okay. But if you're if you've got the American flag and the Constitution, you're you're a terrorist. I guess the story is not the designation because we all know that. 
but now they're enforcing the uh, the, the way the, the the enforcement of the stops. So they're telling the police officers, "Wait a minute, treat this as not quite a felony stop, but just below it. So watch out because these people, number one, are armed. They're crazy, and and, and they're and they're they're dangerous. They pose a threat to you and the communities. And the, the felony stops are are so much different than regular police stops. Felony stops yes. are done at gunpoint. They're done. Um, you know, almost under, it, it would be like you are a fugitive wanted by the federal authorities and you are being stopped in a car. Right. Now, the, um, it, it's interesting because, no, I don't think I'd get in trouble by saying this. The, the, the officer who sent me this email, uh, who asked, he said, please don't publish anything about me, you know, um, and I don't, I don't view that as a cop out. I view that as a source who wants to remain anonymous and the source that can give me, give me additional information you know well you get these people saying well if they were really a patriot they would tell you they'd let you post everything well no because sometimes an unidentified asset is a lot better or bigger of an asset in you know in while working so anyway yeah the bottom line here is again not the no one should be surprised about the designation but now they're moving to to handle us the patriots as enemy combatants nearly enemy combatants nearly felons and if you ever had been a Anyone ever had a fel- involved in a felony stop? Oh boy, oh boy. Yeah, let me tell you. So what? Somebody fun. who's associated with somebody who has been labeled a domestic extremist, whether whether the evidence proves they were or not, now attending their funeral equates to you being under suspicion. That's right. And and you watch the drone. Look. This is the other one I got, the drone activity, the the surveillance of the funeral. Okay, there's going to be surveillance. No, the, I, I'm, here it is. Everyone going to the uh, funeral and everyone going to the funeral, everyone at the funeral, the event will be under law enforcement surveillance. Oh, absolutely. All right. I mean, not that that really should come as a surprise to anyone, but federal law enforcement surveillance, meaning the DHS and the FBI, or F, uh, when I say DHS, I'm talking about the, uh, the the ground level agents at the agents at the ground level with the operating with the FBI and the and certain members of the state police. But a lot of police officers now, who are oath keepers, and this source is, are saying, "Hey, we're not going to take part in this." Good for them. So you know, but but they have to be careful not to. Uh, not because of, to save their jobs, but because they don't want to, to alienate be, themselves. Well, they don't want to identify themselves, at least not yet, because they will, of course. And I know, happen to know the the individual who was talking about the uh, the categorization of the traffic stops. But for example, they don't want to uh, out themselves. They don't want to make themselves known, but they will do so if they are told to go to conduct an unlawful order like an oathkeeper. Okay, so in fact, this oathkeeper he's an oathkeeper. So. All right, with um, yep. just a few minutes left in this hour, there's two pieces of news I think are critical that yes. we should hit before we are joined by author Dan Goodwin, his book, God's Final Jubilee. This one caught my attention, and I'm sure you're interested in it, interested in it as well. Benghazi Committee, Dems, gave thousands in bonuses while blasting probes cost. There you go. But there's something in here that's... Uh, Follow the money. <laughs> that's really surprising. Democrats on the House Committee probing the 2012 Benghazi terror attacks awarded tens of thousands of dollars in bonuses to their staff, yeah. while at the same time repeatedly attacking Republicans over the rising cost of the investigation. According right. to public uh, reports that are available, 33600 was given to six staffers 
at the end of 2014 and 2015. While the bonuses make up only a fraction of the patient's total expenses to date, critics suggested that they undermine the minority uh, members' complaints about the budget. Now, it goes on to state that Democrats complain the committee's investigation established in May 2014 has gone on longer than the 9-11 Commission's review of the 2001 terrorist attacks. (laughs) Yeah, okay. (laughs) And accused Republicans of using the committee as a political weapon to attack the 2016 Democrat frontrunner Hillary Clinton, who was Secretary of State at the time. Um, (laughs) And just the fact that this investigation has been ongoing and has gone on longer than the 9-11 investigation. But, but, but see, because why, though? It, it, it's because they're stretching out, they're weaponizing this investigation, they're they're using it as a political uh, weapon. That's not to say that, I mean, look, Benghazi was, is a crime. Yes, it happened, and, and, and a crime at the highest of levels involving Hillary, Diane Rodham Clinton, and Chris Stevens. You know that, folks, you know, you know, the weapons running, the training of the, of the but, but, but see, everyone put their faith in the Citizens Commission on Benghazi. Mm-hmm. Oh boy, we're going to get to the bottom of it. Are you, you kidding me? About that you talk about infiltration. You talk about infiltration. <laughs> yeah. Enough said there. I'm not going to I mean, go you, further on you that. warned about that from the beginning. Huh? You warned about Trey Gowdy. You warned about where it would go, yep. which was nowhere. Why it would go nowhere. And why we'd be where we are today. Twiddling our thumbs, wondering why nothing has been done, no actions have been taken, no indictments have been brought, no conclusions have been made, yet this investigation has gone on longer than the 9-11 Commission's right. review. It's it's easy to extend an, an investigation or, or to uh, to have an investigation last this long when every, we'll just say toll booth, picture the investigation as like a, a, a interstate uh, or like the Pennsylvania Turnpike, they've got a toll booth, you know, mm. at, at times every few miles. But it's in the toll booths are the bribes and the, uh, you know, we are the passengers and the vehicles going down the interstate, and the toll takers are the are the uh, investigators, the the the, uh, <laughs> the support staff of the, the committees and the and the, the uh, people involved in the and the uh, uh, well, the investigators themselves, you know, the the, the uh, Lawmakers, this got my eye today. Uh, city world economy seems trapped in death spiral. <laughs> the econ- global economy seems trapped in a death spiral that could lead to a further uh, further weakness in oil prices, recession, and serious equity bear markets, according to city strategists, who have warned uh, some analysts, including those at City, have turned bearish on the world economy this year following. An equity route in January and a weaker economy, uh, economic data out of China and the U.S. The world appears to be trapped in a circular reference death spiral. Huh. City strategies led by Jonathan Stubbs said in a report Thursday. I wonder how long until he'll suicide himself with a staple gun. A uh, nail gun. Not a staple nail gun. gun. Yeah. A staple gun would be a little longer and a little bit more ugly, but nonetheless. They say stronger U.S. dollar, weaker oil commodity prices, weaker world trade petroleum liquidity, weaker EM and global growth, and repeat, add inflation. This would lead uh, to yeah. oil, oil mageddon. O- oil mageddon. Well, a significant synchronized global recession in a proper modern day equity bear market. 
They go on to say that crude oil prices have tumbled around 70% since the middle of 2014, during which time the U.S. dollar has risen by 20% against uh, uh, of the basket course of currency. It's risen. Yeah, uh, I, I'm just so glad it has because we, <laughs> a strong dollar. We, 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 yeah. But, but, yeah. A 20 uh, buys me a whole loaf of bread. Yeah. Well, you can throw a quarter milk in there, but, uh, you know, it's just, it's just <laughs> ridiculous. But. But they go on to say that uh, this is a fun- fundamental to avoiding a proper full global recession, which would bring dangerous disorder across not only financial markets but population centers. The yep. stakes are high, they say, perhaps higher than they've ever been in the post-World War II era. Well, this what we're seeing, and, and folks, you know this, we're seeing the ushering in. Uh, we're seeing the war in cash. We're seeing the, the, the uh, termination, the orchestrated takedown of the U.S. Uh, currency, the U.S. dollar. Um the, you've got, and I'll just point this out again, the Exchange Stabilization Fund, which is the architect of, well, behind the power structure behind the Feds, the, and the IMF, and that, the Exchange, the ESF, and all credit goes to the author at, at this, uh, marketskeptic.com. He did, uh, five videos about the ESF, the Exchange Stabilization Fund. Folks, if you have the opportunity to watch those five videos, you'll understand at that point, exactly how we've been subjugated uh, economically and how things are going to play out in the economic world via TPP, which no one's talking about again, but nonetheless. So it's all here. It's all together. This is the the New World Order's final throws. Now, how long does the... some might ask, how long does this, uh, you know, part of the game last? How long is a quarter in this? It's flexible. We know about how long it could be, or we suspect, but, but the bottom line here, uh, it's dependent upon their timing, not ours. And it's, as we mentioned yesterday, the Tavistock Institute, they, they've got to brainwash enough people to accept the servitude so they don't have to kill everybody. They can just kill most of us, right? And so, I think they've been very successful at doing that. We are uh, 90 seconds away. Closely approaching the yeah. top of the hour. On the other side of this break, Dan Goodwin, author, speaker, uh, will be joining us. He's been a speaker at many events, uh, from Paul McGuire's God TV to uh, Prophecy in the News. And we, as we said, interviewed him for the DVD in Prophecy of the News last year. He was a speaker down there. He's been a full-time evangelist since 1983, the year I was born. So he's been an evangelist as long as I've been alive, 32 years. He's pastored several churches and authored several books and has been a full-time evangelist since 20, uh, 2003. And we're going to talk with him about his book, God's Final Jubilee. Uh, I'm going to ask him some questions here because I want to know about a couple of things that he that he had said. Remember, he was a guest on our show before. Oh, said, yeah. You know? Twice he's been a guest two times on our show. And he says he loves our audience. The feedback he gets is great. It's always fun. And we're going to hear from him next, right after these short messages. You're listening to the Hagman and Hagman Report. We'll be right back.
Welcome back to hour number two of this broadcast, folks. Up next, author, evangelist, Dan Goodwin. Man, oh man, are you in for a treat. I love this guy. I love his uh, uh, pep. I mean, he's got some pep. He's got some good information. Before we get uh, on with our broadcast, folks, want to call your attention. If you're watching this live, just tune into. to... Uh, if you're watching this, you look at the screen. It's Casper.com. Well, what's Casper? Casper is an online retailer of premium mattresses for a fraction of the price. The mattress industry has forced all of us, you and me and the buying public, into paying notoriously high markups. Casper, however, is revolutionizing the mattress industry. They cut the cost of dealing with resellers, and they cut, they cut out the showrooms, and they're passing the savings on to you and to me. The Casper mattress provides resilience, long-lasting support of comfort. You know, their mattress is one of a kind. It's a new hybrid mattress that combines premium latex foam with memory foam. Oh, is it comfortable? Four paws up from Lady and, and well, arms and legs up from Doug and, and family. And mattresses, as you know, folks, can cost well over $1,500, but Casper mattresses cost between 500 for a twin and 950 for a king. And let me tell you, buying a Casper mattress is completely risk-free. I mean, totally risk-free. They offer free delivery. Oh, and it comes in a box. It's so fun to open. I had a great time putting it on the uh, on the frame. They they offer free delivery. Returns within a hundred day period. A hundred days. I mean, really? <laughs> it's just that simple. And statistically, you can't really tell what kind of bed you're lying in and if you're going to like it uh, in a showroom. So here's the deal. We have an obsessively engineered mattress at a shockingly fair price. It's got just the right everything, the right sink, the right bounce. It combines two fantastic technologies, latex foam, memory foam. And this is a memory foam that you're going to love. It doesn't get hot. It doesn't. It's just great. A risk-free trial return policy. Try sleeping on a Casper mattress for 100 days with free delivery, painless returns. They are made in the United States of America. The owners of this company made sure these mattresses are made right here. Not from, not in Vietnam, not, not from China, but right here. And, and the prices are so affordable. Casper mattress is located at casper.com slash CFP radio. That's casper.com slash CFP radio. Now what I forgot to say earlier in the week, folks, is this. You can get $50 toward any mattress mattress purchased by visiting casper.com slash CFP radio and using CFP radio. Now, terms and conditions apply. Did you catch that? Even at their low prices, you can get $50 toward any mattress purchase by visiting casper.com slash CFP radio and using CFP radio in, in, in the proper promo slot there, the promo code. That's CFP Radio. Terms and conditions apply. So take a look at on, on the screen there at Casper website, and uh, and I'll tell you, and you can even see Lady, I think, I have to find that picture where she is actually laying right after we got the mattress, so uh, uh, we just let it sit, and she climbed up on the bed, and all, all, she's a little young dog there, and she all four up, all paws up in the air, and she was just sound asleep snoring. It was just adorable, but uh, it's that comfortable. Casper mattress at Casper dot com slash CFP radio. All right, John. all right. Um, with us, evangelist Dan Goodwin. His book, God's Final Jubilee, has been a book that has been available for a while now, but there is a revised edition, a new edition, same title, God's Final Jubilee. 
which has three brand new chapters in this book. Um, Mr. Goodwin, I'm going to turn it over to you. Welcome you back to the Hagman and Hagman Report. I know you've been uh, a guest in the past. We've had the pleasure of meeting you in Florida, Prophecy in the News Conference. And not only that, we, we were able to interview you for the DVD series um, for that uh, conference. And um, that was a blast, by the way. And you talk about just a fantastic way of the way that Mr. Goodwin laid everything out, the facts. Man, it was great. Yeah, and since then you've uh, you've made some changes and uh, have been doing some things. Um, you want to give us a, a, a brief summary about your book and then about the revised edition of your book? Well, Brother Joe and Brother Doug, boy, what a joy to be with you again. appreciate you guys' ministry and uh, appreciate you inviting me on. And I am glad to be here. I listened to your first hour, and uh, I kind of I like to do that when I go on a program. I I get a feel for the way the program's going, and you, you, I feel like I've uh, been sitting there with you. So uh, it's been a blessing. Yeah, yeah, pull we, up a chair, man. It's, it's great to have you at the conference table yeah, here. I wish and, uh, I could. Just, I wish just I, talking. Wish wish we could just sit there yeah. in the studio with you, but it's cold up there, colder up there in Pennsylvania. So uh, maybe you guys could move your studio down here to my office. That would be good. <laughs> and pr- pretty soon we might have to, you know, be on a like a, in international waters. I suspect with the way things are going. And and you you know you really kind of delve into the current events aspect of things, uh, prophecy, biblical prophecy. Yeah, and uh, really this we're, boy, we're down watching in Florida when uh, when we did the prophecy conference with Prophecy News, got to meet both of you. And uh, I'll never forget the interview we did in the back room. And I've got the DVD yep. here. You know, I, I haven't even watched it. I need to watch it. It's it's sad, though. Uh, most people never, you know, unless they bought the DVD set, nobody nobody got that. We uh, we hit on some deep things in that. Uh, I was telling your son recently that uh, when we did that interview, it just seemed like it seemed like your, your mouth dropped open. And I remember when we got done with the interview, and I think we went a little long, Seems like we sat there for another ten or fifteen minutes and just talked. And uh, boy, what a, what a joy it was! And uh, appreciate you guys' ministry. And uh, if we didn't have you guys, we'd need somebody else like you. Um, so uh, the book God's <laughs> Final Jubilee came out in 2014, and uh, it's been a boy. It's, it's been a bestseller. It's unbelievable. I, I'm on my own. I don't have a publisher. I don't have, uh, it's not in any bookstore anywhere that I know of, uh, unless they bought them from me and put them in a bookstore. It's in the Philippines. It's in, uh, it's in Australia. Um, but I haven't been able to get a publisher. I've got, uh, I've got one that has approached me several times. We just never, uh, uh, we never have, uh, been able to do anything. Uh-huh. So I'm on my own trying to, trying to keep this thing going, trying to, trying to sleep now and then. And, uh, we're now, uh, into, uh, where I, I printed another edition just, just about two months ago. I decided there's so much more that I'd learned that needed to be in this book. So, uh, when I ran out of books, I said, well, you know what? We're gonna, we're gonna edit this thing. And my goodness, what a, what a lot of work that was. And edited it, added three more chapters, put a new cover on it, and, uh, changed a few things. Uh, and there it is, and uh, it's a beautiful cover. Yeah, and, uh, it's it's cover. marvelous. And now, now, I I didn't mean to interrupt here over talking. But I got to no, tell go you, ahead. the initial, uh, you know, you know, your 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 first uh, edition of God's Final Jubilee. Did I lose you? Really? It, no, no. Can you hear me? 
Can you hear me? Yeah, Testing okay, I got two? you. I think I, I lost you. you for a second. There. Okay, all right. Yeah, um, your first edition, was it just blew me away and at the conference, your interview. But now, folks, this is not your father's Oldsmobile. This is not, uh, here I go, I'm giving away my age from commercials. But no, this is not, God's Final Jubilee, the revised 2016 edition, is uh, much different than the original edition. It's changed. What's different about it? Uh, because, man, it's... <laughs> it's you got you got to. I really want everyone to get it. Don't just because you got the, the initial edition. Don't think you have the the latest because of the, the, there's a lot that's changed, right? Yeah, there's uh, there's three new chapters in the book. Um, one of them is called Apocalyptic Events of 2015. I I almost can't say that word. Apocalyptic Events of 2015. Then there's a chapter called. Uh, Palm Sunday, past, present, and future. And then uh, another chapter called Time is Running Out, which is actually a, a gospel tract, uh, kind of a large gospel tract that I wrote. And uh, I put that in there because it just fits the book so good. And uh, so those three chapters, plus we, we added some things, changed some things as we went. And uh, boy, oh boy, um, folks are telling me that have read the other book, folks are getting this book, and they're making claims like it, it just seems like the whole book is new. Now, now it's obviously the whole book isn't new, but um, folks are reading it uh, thinking that, boy, it just seems like the whole book is brand new. So uh, we're thankful for that. It's It's been a blessing, and uh, I think folks are learning things. Uh, pe- people say uh, that it's on the bottom shelf, and I like that. It's a book that you can pick up and you can understand it because I'm not a, I'm not a overly educated guy. I don't know a lot of big words. I have a hard time with that apocalyptic word. So it's, it's a book that I think you can pick up and you can, uh, and you can read it and you can understand it. And, uh, we talk about the seven feasts. Well, three. That's a key. I, I apologize. I I'll give you a, no, no. I'll give you more latitude. Uh, with the, the Skype connections. There's a kind of a delay there. So, but no, that's the key. I mean, your approach and and I. I mean, look, I, I do a lot of reading, but I found your book to be perhaps one of the most understandable. I mean, it, it's like sitting down and having a conversation with you. Now, your new book, the uh, revised 2016 edition, and folks like uh, like. Uh, um, uh, Mr. Goodwin said, do not think that, you know, because you've got the original, don't think that, that this is just a few more pages. Oh, no, 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 no. This is, this is kind of like looking at, at everything differently. Plus, there's more information new and, uh, really, I, I, I look at it as a totally different book. I just want to kind of let people know that. So, and you've done just a marvelous job. And the fact that you were able to communicate with me says it all. So I'm going to turn it back to you. Go ahead, sir. <laughs> well, brother Doug, you're you're uh, you're you're a humble guy, and uh, I think you know a lot more bigger words than I know. Just the just the few times that I've heard you on here, and uh, but I appreciate you uh, saying that it, it is a, it's written on a. People say that I, and I guess it's true. They they say that I write like I'm like I'm behind a 
pulpit talking to people or preaching or teaching. And uh, that's the thing about uh, proofreaders and editors. They, if you hire somebody, what they do is they they try to rewrite what you said and make it and make it sound different. I don't want that. I, I want the book. The book is me. It's me talking behind a pulpit, and uh, that, that's the way I think a book ought to be. And uh, maybe that goes against the grain of uh, of the editors out there and those who uh, try to you know they they rewrite what you said and you, and you read it yourself and you say, boy who wrote that. <laughs> So it's it's a book. It's written by me sitting at my kitchen table, just like I was behind a pulpit preaching or teaching to an audience. And and I start right out uh, with, you know, the rapture and the seven feasts. There's a chapter on the Jubilee. Uh, there's a chapter called 2520. Maybe we'll get to that in a while. Unbelievable chapter. Uh, it's good to see now that when you get on the Internet, there's other people talking about that 2520. Um, boy, just when I uncovered that, it just unlocked a lot of doors. There's some there's some pieces of the puzzle in this book that I think uh, you just won't find anywhere, and uh, the 2520 is one of them. The fact that the tribulation is measured not in years but in days, uh, brother Doug. What we've all been doing for years, and and I used to do it. We're trying to figure this thing out using our calendar. We're trying we're trying to figure out a seven year period for the tribulation, and, and uh, you can't do that. It's it's not measured in years. It's measured in days. Uh, it's 1260 days in the first half, and 1260 days in the second half. Uh, if you try to use our calendar, like so many have. Uh, for instance, they'll go to the Day of Atonement and say, well, okay, that's that's the end. That's when he comes back on the white horse. And so they'll back up seven years and try to find when the Lord comes for the church. And uh, no way. It can't be done. It can't be done that way. You have to use the right calendar. Uh, it'd be like using a, uh, a yardstick with, with uh, 39 inches in it to measure a wall that you're going to put in your house. You're going to have problems. <laughs> By the time you get to the ceiling and the roof, that thing's going to be off. So we have to use the right, the right measuring tools here. And uh, that seems simple, but everybody has missed this all of our lives. Every book you ever read, uh, uh, nobody seems to have understood that this thing is measured in days and months, 42 months in each half. And 1260 days exactly right to the day. Those two witnesses show up. When we, when we leave here, the Moses and Elijah show up. I know your audience, uh, a lot of folks think Enoch's one of them, and that's fine. I'm, I'm not, I'm not saying that, that anybody's got a handle on this. Personally, I'm pretty convinced, 99% convinced it's Moses and Elijah. And I have some, some proofs for that that I give in the book, why I believe that that's, that's the way it is. But regardless who it is, the two witnesses are going to show up at the rapture. They're going to go straight to Jerusalem. I can tell you exactly when they die. I mean, it's, the Bible says so. They, 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 their ministry is three and a half years or 1260 days. That's, if you use God's calendar of 360 days times three and a half, that's 1260 days. So, that's the way the Bible uses that, and that's if we don't understand that, we get all balled up here. So um, they show up, they die on Passover, and three and a half days later, they get up, they go back to heaven, and the Jews, the hundred forty-four thousand Jewish men who are there in Jerusalem when they when this happens. And by the way, the whole world is having a party. Uh, the Bible says the whole world rejoices when those two witnesses are killed. 
They are the only Christians on the earth, the only believers. And uh, they've been preaching for 1,260 days. Everybody hates their guts. And finally, the Antichrist kills them when he enters the temple. And uh, right in the middle of the tribulation, kills them, leaves their bodies in the streets. Uh, I don't know why. I guess so everybody can gloat over them. And the Bible says they gave gifts one to another. I mean, the whole world's having a party over the death of these two guys. And uh, and then on uh, on the Feast of First Fruits, which, by the way, is the same day that Jesus rose from the grave, they get up and they bodily ascend to heaven. And the 144,000 Jews see this, and uh, they become believers because the Bible says that the, the remnant gave glory to the God of heaven. Now, if you're not a saved man, if you're not born again, you cannot bring glory to God. I believe that's when they all trusted in the Messiah, and that's when the Antichrist breaks the covenant. He hears the roar outside. He finds that the Jews have now become believers in, in, in the true Messiah, Jesus Christ, and he turns on them. And there's Matthew 24 that's so misunderstood by people. The uh, Bible says at that time, right there at the middle, when the, when the 144,000 get saved, that's where the Bible says in Matthew 24, after the abomination of desolation, uh, woe unto her who is with child in those days. In other words, you've got to run for your life. If, you, if you're pregnant, you're, you're going to have problems. And that's where it says, he that is in on the rooftop, don't even go back into the house. Don't go get anything. Run for your life. He that is in the field, don't go to the house. Head for the hills. And, and it's believed that they go to Petra. Uh, you see, that's what Matthew 24 is about. It's not talking about the church. It's not talking about us. It's talking about the Jews and the, and the fact that they get saved right there at the middle. And then the covenant is broken. And they have to run for their lives. So that's just a little snippet there. <laughs> and we get carried away. But uh, that's that's some of the things that are in this book. Things like that. And I've never read some of this stuff anywhere. And I sat at my living room table, my kitchen table, and uh, started writing this book. And and uh, some of these things I had and some of these things that I, I kind of learned as I went. But I believe God gave me uh, some of the pieces of this thing. And and uh, the book has uh, just been a, a blessing to people, I hope. And uh, um, so I, I'm I'm going on and on here. Have you got a, uh, any questions, brother brother Doug or brother Joe? Well, yeah, yeah, a, a couple. But uh, go ahead, Joe. I mean, it's yeah. What a mouthful. First of all, help me understand one thing, okay? The two witnesses. I'm I'm trying to envision what the world is going to be like. Maybe I'm looking at this with spiritual um, immaturity, but but help me understand what the world is going to look like where uh, Moses and Elijah, or Moses and anyone, or any two witnesses come. I mean, what's the world going to look like, and and how? And forgive my, my, forgive me for even asking this question, but. How does he? How, how does he? How is that even explained? You, you know, well, you know what I mean. Go ahead. No, I, I just I, I don't want to you know take us no. down a few levels, but I mean, how, how does that even explain? How, how are people not to know, or how how would it be possible that people wouldn't know? Man, we are you know we're in some deep deep doo doo here. <laughs> um, you know, I don't know. Uh, I'm trying to put put the two witnesses well, in the context of current events. Go ahead. The the Bible says. That after the rapture, we we are the restrainer. The restrainer is the Holy Spirit that indwells the believer. 
And the Bible says when the restrainer is lifted, then then the Antichrist is revealed. We, uh, when when God takes us out of here, all the Holy Spirit is gone. All the Christians are gone. Now, there'll still be people who claim to be Christians, but uh, there's a lot of them. There's a lot of people who claim to be saved, but they're not really saved. And uh, he's coming for all the saved people. The Holy Spirit lives in us. And uh, I believe when that happens, all that's left on this world is going to be the lost people. And uh, and so when we leave here, those two men come down. They don't go to New York City. They don't go to uh, they don't go to London. They don't go to Paris, France. They they go straight to Jerusalem. Their ministry for for, for twelve hundred sixty days, which is three hundred three uh, three and a half years. Their ministry is there and only to the nation of Israel, to the Jews, and they begin to preach. And the Bible says that. Uh, uh, in Revelation 6 and different places it says that uh, as bad things begin to happen around the world of course you know the covenant is signed right right after the rapture that, that man that has the crown put on his head there's going to be a covenant made uh, with Israel which is the beginning of the tribulation and uh, so Israel's going to be at peace while the whole world is, is going through struggles and wars and famines and bloodshed and uh, so Israel's being protected by the Antichrist and uh, the whole world at war. So those two men are over there in Israel. Now remember, no Holy Spirit, no Christians, no Bible thumpers, uh, no preachers that are preaching the Word of God. Uh, There's just deception here on the earth. In fact, the Bible says there'll be strong delusion. That, uh, for, and that's mainly for those who have heard the gospel and rejected it before Christ comes. They'll be sent strong delusion that they should not obey the truth but shall believe the lie. And you're going to have millions of people like that. Picture a world without God. Picture a world without churches. Picture a world without Christians and preachers. And I mean, we can turn the radio on today. Somewhere on that radio, you can find somebody preaching or somebody teaching the Word of God. You can find something on TV. You can go read the Bible. You can read books. And all that's going to be gone. There's going to be a deception upon this world and a strong delusion. Picture an entire world without one born-again Christian in it. That, that's what's coming. When we're taken out of here... Uh, that's when Satan has complete reign here. Now he get he really gets it at the middle. But um, you got a world without God, without hey. By the way, we're starting to see that, aren't we? We're starting to see what it, what it's like to live in a third world nation right here in America. <laughs> yeah, we are um, not only from the, re- from the removal of the Ten Commandments and uh, references to God from schools, from prayers at you know fo- high school football games. People being suspended uh, for praying at football games, players, people being uh, threatened without being able to graduate for giving graduation speeches that uh, yeah. you, you know mention God. Uh, God is being taken out of all facets of our society. Even uh, the Bibles in hotels that has been attacked by the Freedom from Religion Foundation's Mickey Weinstein, saying it is a violation of the. Uh, False, uh, what is it? The uh, church and state doctrine, which does not exist. Yeah, but we see church and state satanic temples and monuments being erected and actual masses being held in public to the devil on city property. At the same time, Ten Commandments are not even allowed to be posted. We are definitely in a time of troubles 
or the beginning of sorrows, as I like to say. Yeah, and I, I tell people, I think that delusion starts before the rapture. Um, the strong delusion comes after the rapture, but I, but I believe it's already begun. I mean, I mean, look, look at Christians today. My goodness, you can, you can get a room full of Christians and start talking to them and, and you'll walk out of there scratching your head saying, what planet are these people? What Bible are these people looking at? Um, yeah. On YouTube today, and I won't say who it was. Somebody, uh, I've got hundreds of friends. I don't, I don't, I don't know most of them. <laughs> uh, sometimes I wonder if I know any of them. But anyway, uh, somebody posted this thing. It was in a church. I think it was in another country. There was this little five-year-old girl up on the platform, and the preacher could have been her dad. I don't know, but or her granddad. I don't know. But the preacher was behind her, had his hands on her shoulders. She was. I guess she was preaching, I don't know, but uh, she was she was speaking, and people in the audience were falling on the floor, you know, like the Benny Hinn thing, you know, falling backwards, and, and there was a woman out there with blankets, and she was uh, trying to keep everything modest, and when someone would fall on the floor uncontrollably, she'd come put a blanket over them so they'd be modest, and and I was looking at that, and the, the person, I don't even remember who posted, but somebody posted that and said, wow, look at this, or... And I wrote under, I, I shouldn't have done it, and uh, God forgive me, but I shouldn't have done it. But underneath it, I wrote, uh, that's, that's satanic garbage. That's what that was. That's not of God. That's, that's what we're dealing with today. We've got, we've got the laughing revival. Remember the laughing revival? I don't know if that's still going on. I saw Kundalini. a video of that. Yep. yep. Kundalini. Yeah, uh, people, yep. People, uncontrollable, couldn't control their laughter. They, they called it a revival and a moving of God. Now, my Bible says revival comes uh, when people fall on their face and weep and cry and beg God for His mercy and they see their sinful condition and they weep and they and uh, then God moves. That's that's what revival is: weeping and crying, a contrite heart. And uh, see how mixed up we are today. We've got uh, we've got people that are so far off from the Bible, preachers, and uh, I could start mentioning some names. I won't do that, but there's there's a lot of preachers around our nation that have big churches, and they're not preaching the Bible. They're preaching a uh, prosperity thing, and they're 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 telling everybody that uh, God loves everybody, and and this is the nation we live in, and God is looking down at America. And I believe America is going to go through some bad, bad times because America is not repentant. America is not right with God. God's people are the problem in America. It's not, it, it's not Mr. Obama. It's not, uh, it's not the, the, the homosexual crowd. It's God's people that are the cause for what's going on. The Bible says that ye are the salt of the earth. If the salt has lost its savor, that's us. Salt is there to, 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 bring conviction and salt is supposed to preserve and salt irritates and and uh, you know we ought to irritate people sometimes we used to God's people used to irritate somebody that wasn't living right used to be the the guy came by with his liquor in his hand he'd feel embarrassed when he saw the preacher now they walk by and the preacher's got a bottle of liquor in his hand <laughs> I'm not trying to be mean here. I'm just saying this country's not what it used to be. God's people are not what they used to be. We used to have convictions. We used to believe something. We used to be separated. We used to be holy. We used to we used to love God and we used to go to the house of God and we used to witness and pass out tracts and and 
I'm afraid there's something wrong with God's people now, and that's what's caused our demise. And God's trying to get our attention. I believe He has been for years, and, and God's people refuse to listen. And I'm afraid we've got some bad stuff coming upon us because of that. And uh, so this strong delusion and uh, the, what's going on, Moses and Elijah, who I, I believe are the two witnesses are, are going to show up, their ministry is not to Chicago, it's not to New York, it's not to America, it's to the Jews. And uh, those Jews will be 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 saved, the 144,000, but not to the middle of the tribulation. And those guys will, will be left in the streets for three and a half days. The whole world will rejoice. That's exactly how the Bible words it. The whole world rejoiced. It didn't say all the lost people rejoiced. It said the whole world. And I believe, and I teach this in the book, and I believe I prove it, uh, I believe there's nobody saved on the earth for that first half of the tribulation. Now, I know that's not what people want to hear, um, but uh, but it, but it's the truth, and uh, I, I challenge yeah. anybody: show me somebody saved at the at the beginning, or show me somebody getting saved. And uh, I believe the first people saved are those hundred forty-four thousand Jewish men who get saved at the middle. One of the things that uh, in the Bible that is a a staple throughout the Bible, um, and I'm going to quote a, a verse here. That is in Psalms, I believe it's 115 uh, or 116, where it says um, something along the lines of the Lord is uh, the Lord is pleased by the death of His saints, meaning those who die for His His word. And in Revelation, it echoes the, the same sentiments that the um, the patience and the faith of the saints, uh, you know, those that are beheaded for the Lord and his namesake. And, you know, is, there will be protection. There will be, the Lord will hide his people um, when they need to be hid. Yet at the same time, we're also told that all who believe in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. Now, whether that's a, a persecution to the death for their faith or you know, personal turmoil in, in spiritual battles with the devil. Uh, but one thing that is for sure, God's people need to understand and be prepared that because of their belief in, in Christ Jesus, that there will be trouble in their lives. And it will be trouble, spiritual trouble, as they're trying to be knocked off their spiritual foundation, their rock, which is Jesus Christ. The devil will do it anything and everything in his power to do that and we went through the parable of the sower in matthew 13 the other day where it not only talked about the whole spiritual battle in the parable of the the sower in the field but it also talks about how the word is taken out of of uh people through different ways whether they didn't receive it and rooted in themselves properly to uh when tribulation or persecution ariseth the word is uh taken out because it uh, because of offense, and we see that in the church today, the separation of God's true people versus those who are uh, just paying lip service. Did we lose Dan? No. Go, go oh, ahead. There you are. I, uh, I, thought, I thought I lost you. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm here. Did you Did you hear? Okay. Yes. Were you able to yes. hear what, what what I said? 
Okay. Yep. You you cut out once or twice, but I I heard most of it. You talked about Matthew thirteen, the sower and the seed, and uh, you know you know what's in what's what's really big about that passage is the importance of the soil. And you read through the passage there, the the seed that fell in the rocks, the feed that seed in the wayside, and the condition of the yeah. soil yeah. makes all the difference as to what happens with the seed. And, uh, and and that's the soul winner's job. That's our job as we as we preach and teach people. We need to we need to work on that soil. We need to we need to try to get the rocks out and uh, and to fertilize it. And uh, of course, soul winning and and of course discipline, uh, discipleship, and teaching them after we after we get a person saved. We we need to we need to teach them. And uh, but yeah, this this is a crazy generation we live in today. And uh, I'm afraid doctrine's been thrown out. Doctrine's been replaced with uh, football. I think. I think a lot of churches are going to have football this Sunday. Yeah, yeah. It's it's interesting indeed, folks. If you're listening live, I just want to mention this. Uh, apparently, we're having trouble. Your YouTube is having trouble. One of the two. Uh, of course, the best uh, way to listen to the broadcast is via Global Star Radio Network, and also simulcast on Blog Talk Radio. Apparently, YouTube is down. Just want to pass that along. And if that's the case, or at least the audio and video is down. So, um, but having said that, the uh, static graphic of, of our guest tonight, uh, evangelist Dan Goodwin, and as well as his books are on the screen. So visit uh, the uh, the website uh, for Dan Goodwin. Yeah, and uh, it's heavenboundone.net, heavenboundone.net, or God's Final Jubilee dot com. There you go. Um, uh, Dan, you sent us some some talking points. As you do lots of, of different radio interviews and and uh, TV interviews, and and you just come back from from doing a conference, uh, I believe, if if I remember correctly, or a TV interview. Uh, so you come across and, and you meet in your in your day to day life lots of lots of believers. Uh, well, out of all your interactions, what's one of the main things that that you've come away with from from uh, interacting with with Christians? What are, what seems to be their main concern? Um, I think our main concern is is building our empires, building uh, having the biggest church in town. Or I don't mean that in a bad way. I'm I'm all for people getting people into church and all that. But I think we've lost what this is all about. Um, you look in Bible days; they they weren't out trying to build the church. You know, you know. The, here here's something uh, that's deep. <laughs> Jesus said, "Upon this rock, I will build my church." It's not my job as a pastor mm-hmm. to build a church. It's not my job as a Sunday school teacher to build the church. It's not my job as a Christian to build the church. Jesus said, I'll build the church. Now, the, <laughs> one reason our churches are so messed up is Jesus isn't building them. They're, um, men and pastors and people are building them. What we need to do is build people and, and disciple them and get the truth into them and put walls around them so they can grow and fertilize them. and uh, we're, But we're too worried about uh, having more next year than we had this year. Do you, do you see where I'm headed here? Do you see what I mean? Uh, we've got this thing that... Oh, yeah. Uh, and I guess 
my goodness, how come we feel like we're not right with God if we didn't grow by a hundred next year? You know, in the Bible, they didn't grow. They, when they got big, they split. If they didn't, uh, if they didn't do it on purpose, God brought persecution and He busted them up and they scattered and everywhere they went, they preached and they witnessed and they told people about Jesus. And, and I think, uh, by the way, you won't find a church building in the Bible. I'm, I'm not against church buildings. In fact, I'm thankful for them. No. I like air conditioning. I like heat. But you know, in the Bible, they met in churches, and they met—I mean, they met in—they met in homes, and they—and they met out in the woods. And our, our forefathers met uh, out in the woods, and it was against the law to have church. And uh, uh, in China today, they meet at four o'clock in the morning in the train stations. It's against the law. And uh, you know, I think—I uh, think those are pretty exciting churches. Those kind of things. Uh, Serious-minded people are attending there. And if we need anything, we need some serious-minded Christians today. These are these are dark days, and uh, I know the rapture's coming soon. But you know what? I think I think we got some bad stuff we're going to go through before the rapture comes. And uh, we need we need some preachers that can uh, that can help the flock. A preacher, a pastor is a is a shepherd. Now study the the job of the shepherd. His job uh, is not to beat the sheep and get them to go a certain direction. The shepherd's job is to go out ahead of them and the sheep follow him. And uh so that that's that's if boy if pastors would understand that their job their the shepherd's job was to find the good water and lead the sheep to that water, find the good grass and then stand guard over them. Uh, boy we need that today. Yeah, we do. And, you know, an example of what you're talking about, the church and the, and the old church that, you know, they would, if they got big, they would split. One of the things that, that made me leave my church, which was a Presbyterian church that uh, my family has attended my, since I've been born, and the acceptance of homosexual clergy into the church, uh, the Presbyterian church body voted them in, then voted in the uh, allowance of gay marriages to take place in their churches before the Supreme Court ever, court ever voted on it. And the church was, a, even though the, the heads of the, our church didn't agree with the decision, they refused to break away from the Presbyterian body because of the stake that the body had in help building the church building that they were currently residing in. They cared more about that than actually the true doctrine and precepts of the Lord. Isn't that sad? You know, there's there's a saying that we've all had and I was guilty of this too. I we were always we were always taught that that, that the world is getting so the world is influencing the church. Now that that may be partially true, but I, but I look at it differently now. I believe that the world is so bad because the church has quit influencing the world around it, and as the church goes, so goes the world around it. it it's it's back to that thing about salt. Ye are the salt of the earth. If the salt has lost its savor, wherewithal shall it, the world around it, be salted? It won't be. So because the church has become not separated. Uh, the church has become worldly. The church has given up the truth, the Word of God. Most churches don't really preach the Word of God anymore. They they teach philosophy and they they uh, they they play games and they they play church. We've lost the standard of the Word of God, the authority, and uh, the thus saith the, the thus saith the Lord. We we've kind of lost that because of that. 
We wonder why the world around us is so bad. It is that way because I believe, and you just you just illustrated it. The Presbyterians, like you say, endorsed homosexuality before the Supreme Court did. Uh, see that there's a good illustration of the church becoming worldly, and therefore the world around it becomes worldly. Isn't it a shame that we didn't know if 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 if, and of course, the Bible calls it sodomy. We we're all scratching our heads, wondering: Is it okay for two men to get married? And so we scratch our heads and we wonder. So finally, we ask those nine black robed justices to decide what is the truth here, because we don't know the truth anymore. So we have to have nine people in a Supreme Court uh, put their heads together, and they couldn't even agree. It was a five to four decision, and they agreed or decided that uh, homosexual marriage is okay. It's just a another way of life and they were born that way and blah 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 and so uh, how did we get to this we threw away the authority of the word of god you know when you study the the seven churches and i have a section in the book on this the seven churches in revelation chapter 2 and 3 are seven literal churches that existed in john's day when he wrote the book of revelation in fact he was to send uh, that book of Revelation to each of those seven churches. The, the pastor of those churches was to get that letter. Um, but those churches are also prophetic of the entire, I believe, of the entire 2,000-year church age. I mean, all the way from the church of Ephesus all the way to the last church, which is uh, the Laodicean church. The Ephesus church was the church that existed in uh, in, in John's day, and Peter and James and Paul. Uh, when you get to the last church, it's the Laodicean church, and I believe that's the age you and I are living in right now. I believe we're in that Laodicean age of the church. And uh, now the church right before that is the Philadelphia church. That's the church of brotherly love. That's the church that God put such a blessing on when you read it in Revelation 3. That's the church with the open door and a door that no man could shut. By the way, that, that took place during the 1700s, 1800s. We had two great awakenings in the world during that time. We had the Fulton Street prayer meeting revivals and, and the getting, uh, the word of God went around the globe, uh, because they stood for the word of God and the word of God was the authority. You know, in the year 1800, if you took, if you said, son, go get my Bible. There was no question what that meant. He was going to get the only Bible that existed, the King James Bible. Uh, that's what your boy would go get in the year 1800. There was nothing else for English-speaking people. Uh, in 1901, all the new versions began coming out. And, uh, and because of that, I think that's what it means in Revelation when it says uh, to the Philadelphia church, he said, Because thou hast kept my word. That church kept the Word of God, kept the authority, believed the authority, believed that the Bible was the authority for all faith and practice, and they preached that Bible. They printed that Bible. Um, you, had the, uh, you had the American Bible Society in the early 1800s printing Bibles uh, in languages all over the world, right from the King James Bible. And uh, great revivals happened. God's Word went forth. What happened once the 1900s came? We had we had some more authorities. We had other Bibles, and now what's happened today? The average church doesn't know what the Bible is, doesn't know where the Word of God is, and they preach philosophy and they preach what they think. And and I mean, how can a church stand up in their pulpit and say that it, that it's that God's not 
against homosexuality when when the Bible, which is the authority, says that it's that it's an abomination. So we've lost the standard. We've lost back to our back to house building again. If you're a carpenter and you get and you start building the walls and the foundation of a house, and your your ruler, your your yardstick that you're using to measure your boards is 39 inches instead of 36 inches, that thing ain't going to come out right. And that's that's the same thing with with our churches today. And our and and uh, when we don't have the authority, and we. I mean, I mean, what are, what are they looking at? What is it that determines doctrine in these churches? If if it's not the Bible, what is it? It's it's feelings, it's human reasoning. By the way, same thing happened in politics. Same things happening in our Congress. Uh, right's not right anymore. Wrong's not wrong anymore. I mean, I mean, they they come out and they make statements like we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna send money over here. They don't have any money. Where does the government get money? They come and they 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 don't even ask for it anymore. They come and take it from us. They take money from everybody and they give it to who they decide. Uh, they have no right to do that. So uh, the problem in the world. And the problem in America is God's people. And God's people have lost their saltiness. They've lost their savor. We, we've lost the authority of the Word of God. And, uh, and therefore we scratch our heads trying to figure out what is right and what is wrong. Well, we're probably getting off base here a little bit, but, uh, jo- Brother Joe, you started this. Yes, I did. <laughs> and we can get back on track, no problem. But you made some excellent points there, and, uh, yeah, it's just a shame when we see the state of the world, the state of the church, and as you said, the church conforming to the world to where they're almost inseparable now from a congregation to a regular group of people out on the street. Um, it is very sad. Um, uh, let, let's get back into your book. Again, folks, we're talking with evangelist Dan Goodwin. His book, God's Final Jubilee, the 2016 revised edition is out, and there's some differences in the book. There's three brand new chapters, and uh, Dan's already touched on some of those. Um, let's get into uh, another talking point here, the uh, chapter about Palm Sunday. Can you tell us what this is about? Oh, this this is really awesome. And uh, before I before I say that, let me say this to anybody listening: uh, I'm a King James man, 100. percent Everything I write is King James, comes from the King James Bible. But I want I want to make it known: I'm not mad at anybody. Uh, if somebody out there's not a King James person, you maybe use another version. I'm not mad at you. Here's here's the thing, though. There has to be a Bible somewhere. You've got to decide, dear listener, where is the Word of God today? Now, I found, I, I've decided where it is for me. You've got to decide where it is for you. If you think it's the originals, then go find the originals. <laughs> Good luck with that. Um, if you think it's the, the international version, I'm not mad at you. If you think that's the Word of God, then preach it and learn it and teach it and, and stand by it. If you think it's the the uh, the, uh, the 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 EV or the whatever that is, if you if you think it's the New King James, if you think that's the perfect Word of God, hey, I'm for you. Uh, preach it and memorize it, learn it, preach it to others. Um, you know, so don't get mad at me because I believe the King James is it. It, it has been the Bible for 400 years now, without question. But I'm not mad at. I want to make it clear, I'm not mad at anybody that, that that uses a different Bible. That's fine, as long as you believe that that's your authority in your life. 
then then more power to you. Believe it and preach it. But I'm I'm telling you, we need an authority. We need a book that says this is right and this is wrong. When you work on your car, you get a manual out. You you expect that manual to be right. And if it's not, you're gonna you're gonna mess that car up. Uh, we're dealing with people's lives. We're dealing with the souls of men. We're dealing with heaven and hell. We better have the right book. We better have the authority. We better have what God has said. All right. With that said, Brother Joe and Brother Doug, if I can um, just make, if I can just interject one thing here. Yes, sir. Um, and, and I don't want to belabor the uh, the issue of the Bibles in, in our study. And this is something I just want to throw out there. Uh, we talked about this on the program before in our studies here. My research, my investigation, um, that has um, actually capitalized a lot on the um, findings of a couple of different people, including, I think, Steve Anderson. I'm trying to remember who else, but having said all of that, the history of the Bibles, the um, and we're not going to find, uh, I mean, we may find uh, a, 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 an Erasmus Greek Latin New Testament from 1516. It might be a little bit difficult to read, you know, in the first edition, um, Coverdale Bible, of course, uh, uh, in the Tyndale uh, New Testament and such. But the only thing I just want to point out here is um, the New King James Version of the Bible. It, it's interesting because I found, or uh, I was able to verify this, the and again I don't want to belabor the point but uh, uh, well like the New International Version of the Bible it's missing 16 entire verses from the New Testament and the New King James Version well that's kind of got some issues because of the uh, there's I think uh, I'm looking at my notes here I think there was like something like uh, uh, oh my goodness uh, 100,000 changes made including uh, the Lord was removed 66 times God 51 times the the words heaven 50 times repent 44 times the blood 23 times hell 22 times complete removal of uh, Jehovah uh, damnation New Testament and the devil's references there Uh, 2,289 words removed um, from the New King James Version so I just want to say this yeah you know, uh, it, it doesn't, I mean, we, we need the Word of God, absolutely 100%. I agree, agree with you on that. I just, I just have an issue, me personally, I have an issue with, uh, different versions of the Bible, but we can't get back to the original manuscripts, obviously, but we can get close to them. And I, and I like the fact that you, sir, are using the King James Version of the Bible. I think that's, that's, that's the, that's the best we got at the moment. So thank you for that. Yes, sir, and I, I appreciate your, your knowledge there. I, I agree with everything you just said. And, uh, I think a lot of folks haven't studied this out. I'm, I'm amazed that brother, brother Doug, even, you even know that the first revision of the, of the Greek text was in 1516 by a man named Erasmus. And he yeah. gave us four editions of Greek. And, uh, and the truth is from 1516 to 1633, there were, there were 13 editions of Greek. Every one of them is different from one another. Um, so I'm just saying that for the, for the original manuscript folks who, who, who are leaning on some, some original Greek text somewhere. It doesn't exist. There is, there is no original. Uh, they say, uh, uh, the word of God written on a lambskin from the apostle Paul or from Moses or anybody. If it lasted a hundred years, you're doing well. They're all copies of copies of copies. But, uh, but again, I didn't mean to get us off track here. This, that's another discussion for another day. I have written a book on the, on the words. I've spent thousands of hours studying this issue. I wrote a book called Had God Said. I don't, uh, talk about it a great deal in the prophecy meetings, but, uh, I really do believe that we've gotten away from what God has said and His Word, and that's a lot of our problem today and why we don't understand what's right and what's wrong. Uh, alright, so back to Passover. 
And uh, the book, the chapter on Passover is is uh, not Passover, but the Palm Sunday. Palm, yeah. Palm Sunday is that event in history where Jesus gets on the donkey, sends his disciples to go get a donkey. You remember the story? And uh, he says, if if they say anything, go get the donkey. If they say anything, tell them the Lord hath need of him. And they bring a uh, they bring a young donkey, and he gets on it. Uh, this is on the Mountain of Olives. I've stood on the very spot. And uh, he rides down the, to the Kidron Valley, and, and the people come out, and they put palm leaves down, and and they cry out, Hosanna, Hosanna, glory to God in the highest. Uh, this is a fulfillment of Zechariah chapter 9, and uh, this where it says, Behold, your, your, your king cometh uh, riding on a, on a donkey, the foal of an ass, or whatever it says there, and uh, fulfillment of that. And he rides in, and uh, he rides through the, or walks through the eastern gate, and uh, goes straight to the temple, and that's where he makes the whip. And by the way, four days before the cross, he's going to die in four days. He rides in on a donkey, and in fulfillment of Zechariah chapter nine, also I fulfillment of Daniel chapter nine, where Daniel says that in the sixty-ninth week, uh, which is four hundred eighty-three years from the command of, King, of, of Xerxes to restore and rebuild Jerusalem exactly to the day, 483 biblical years, the 69th week of Daniel, he rides in fulfilling that and becomes uh, offers himself or, or, or uh, declares that he's, he's their Messiah. He presents himself to Israel, and he goes into the temple, casts out the money changers, makes the whip, and, uh, of course, he's also going to curse the fig tree, which I believe is a type of Israel. He knows they're going to reject him. He curses the fig tree, and they're cursed for 2,000 years until 1948 when the fig tree took root. And uh, so that happens. So this Palm Sunday is a huge historical event in history and because it's the fulfillment of that 483rd year, the, set, the 69th week, Daniel, Remember, it says 70 weeks are determined upon Israel, upon the holy city. And uh, those weeks are seven-year periods. And seven years being 2,520 days, seven years of 360-day years. And uh, they knew right to the day when Messiah would present himself because of Daniel 9. Any, any, any Jew in that day who knew his Bible knew that Messiah was prophesied to come and present himself on that exact day. And so he rides in on the donkey, fulfilled Zechariah 9, and the Bible says in Daniel 9 that when he does this, does this that he is cut off. Now, I believe the cut off is, is Calvary. And uh, now, let me say this, Passover is kind of misunderstood by a lot of people. Most people think Passover is the 14th of Nisbet. Uh, well, it is, and the, the full moon of Passover is the 14th of the Jewish calendar. Every every month in Israel on the 14th day of the month, it's the full moon, is Passover on the month of Nisan. And uh, however, when you study the Bible, and you go back to Exodus 12, and there's other places too, I, I share this in the book on the... Uh, oh, Dan, oh, can you hold that thought? We were up against the top of the hour break. It snuck right up on us. Folks, you're listening to the Hagman and Hagman Report on this Friday edition with author and speaker, Mr. Dan Goodwin. His book is God's Final Jubilee. His website, godsfinaljubilee.com. We'll be right back with Dan for our third and final hour right after this. Stay with us. 
This is the Global Star Radio Network. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to this special edition of the Hagman and the Hagman Report. Our guest tonight is evangelist and author Dan Goodwin. Folks, visit his website. It's uh, it's linked right off of our uh, homepage and obviously our, the uh, uh, YouTube channel. And uh, his book, his book, the 2016 revised edition, it's a different book than the first one you got. So if you have the first one, you're going to want this one. Don't be afraid to order this book. I suggest, I highly recommend getting everyone getting this book uh, by Evangelist Dan Goodwin, God's Final Jubilee, the expanded version. I mean, the revised version. It's it's well worth its weight. And I'm telling you, it's... Uh, uh, wow, it's 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 an interesting read to be sure. Before we get back to our, our guest, I just want to say that uh, uh, we're just so happy to have AmericanSurvivalWholesale.com. That's AmericanSurvivalWholesale.com to be part of our our uh, family here, our broadcasting family. American Survival Wholesale is our go-to company for all things survival related, including and especially their long-term storable food. And did you know they are a sponsor of the Here the Watchman Conference? That's something, uh, of course. They have initiatives all of the time, Christian initiatives, veteran initiatives, or initiatives for veterans and Christians, and also, hey, they're they're doing a, just a fantastic job of helping people get to the conference that want to go, and, and they've got a, a buy one, bring one, if you will, uh, offer that uh, it's just you From know now to the fourteenth, yeah, and I just just want to say thank you because talk about Christian. Fellowship. Talk about Christian, uh, true Christian operations. That's American survival wholesale. So, if you're going to do shopping, wouldn't you want? If you're going to prep up uh, for tough times, supply disruptions, and what have you, wouldn't you want to do it with a company that has Christian values? Absolutely. Which is why American Survival Wholesale is our go-to location on the internet. That's AmericanSurvivalWholesale.com. AmericanSurvivalWholesale.com. All right, with that, we're going to get right back to our guest, Mr. Dan Goodwin, evangelist Dan Goodwin, author of God's Final Jubilee, his website, godsfinaljubilee.com. The revised 2016 edition has three new chapters that his previous book didn't, and his book has captivated new interest in audiences as it's been out for a while, but it seems to be gaining a lot more traction uh, recently. Dan, can you tell us a little bit about how uh, the book has picked up, uh, even a, you know, after time has passed since you've released it? Uh, we are at uh, almost 2,000 paperbacks just of this new uh, release of this revise. Uh, I don't know if revise is the right word, but uh, new edition that we put new out. New edition. It came yeah. out and in November. For that. Yep. New and edition, and, I, and I'm sorry about that. I, I should say new, because it, nothing about this, folks. Please, if you liked the original, get you, you need to you need to get this expanded or the new edition. I, I didn't mean to say revised. New edition. So. Well, I think it says revised on the cover, but uh, I don't know. Maybe revised isn't the right word, but uh, it's a new edition. I wanted people to know that this book's different. This has got more in it. 
uh, we haven't changed our mind about anything. We just learned more. We put more in it. Uh, that's the best way to say it, I guess. But uh, I think we've sold uh, at least 2,000 paperbacks or, or pretty close to it just since November. And remember, I, I'm not in any bookstores, no publisher. It's just it's just me and God. So, uh, and some other folks, uh, you know, we get on some programs like yours, and boy, we get found out. I, I really believe if a publisher took this thing, I believe it would go all over the country. And uh, but that that hasn't happened yet. So, we're just going to keep going on our own, and as long as we can, and uh, and keep going with it. Sometimes and, publishers uh, get in the way. You know, I I mean, really, sometimes they get in the way. I, I've, I've had my experiences with publishers and sometimes they just uh get in the way and the and the this to me i mean it's uh yeah yeah this is really i mean your work uh spe- st- you know speaks for itself stands alone and sometimes the publishers just kind of i don't know they act as uh uh choke points i think sometimes you know yeah, I, I, think, be, I think you're right be, before we get into more i i gotta ask you this because and, and pardon me if this is out of the uh out of, out of sync with what we're talking about here but you you had uh written about and talked about and uh in fact in florida when we interviewed you uh we there, there was a, a you mentioned different biblical interpretations since we we're talking about different versions of the bible let's talk about different biblical interpretations you say there are three um i, I count four or four lo- levels of um study especially by the rabbinical uh Crew, but what what are the different interpretations? If I can ask. Okay, uh, good, great question. That's a chapter in the book, and what I'm talking about, you, you may be uh, coming at it at a different angle. What I'm talking about is three ways to look at that passage. That let's say I'm let's say I'm reading Revelation chapter two, the, the seven churches. I'm reading that. I've got my Bible open. I'm looking. There's three ways that I need to look at that. Number one, I need to uh, I need to always look for the literal interpretation. Those are those are literal events that happened. Those those are literal church. John is really writing to seven churches that existed in his day. Now, the second way to look at that scripture is, all right, all scriptures given by inspiration of God is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for instruction and in righteousness. Therefore, what I'm reading there must apply to me somehow. Okay, it's 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 a literal story. John wrote some letters to some churches. Okay, if that's all I get, that's the literal. Well, that's not going to help me a great deal in the year of 2016. Uh, I, I need something that applies to me. So... Um, so I look at that scripture. It's a lit, that's a literal story, literal churches, and John's literally writing it. But what's the, what can I glean from it? Well, there's some figurative lessons there. That's the second way to look at it. Um, there's a figurative interpretation. For instance, uh, I don't know, uh, I know you guys do some speaking and, uh, probably do some preaching in churches and whatnot. Uh, every preacher I know has preached a sermon about don't be a lukewarm Christian. Well, you know, when you read that passage, and that's that's in these seven churches, it's, in fact, it's the Laodicean church, the last of the seven churches, is told that, that you are lukewarm because you're neither hot or cold. I will spew thee out of my mouth, the Lord says. Um, you know, so when we preach a sermon about being a lukewarm Christian, we're really taking that out of the literal context because literally John is talking to a church. That church was lukewarm. The Laodicean church that existed in John's day was lukewarm. So is it wrong to take that passage and apply that to my life? Can I apply that to my church? Can I apply that to my Sunday school class? Sure I can. And uh, Jesus did it. Paul did it. Uh, 
So that's the figurative interpretation. Don't be a lukewarm Christian. How about the the church in Ephesus? Uh, he said uh, now there were some admonitions given to them, and he said uh, he told him, "You've lost your first love." Every preacher has preached a sermon about Christians losing their first love. Well, the literal interpretation there is the church in Ephesus lost their first love. Can I take that verse and that passage, and can I apply that? in a message to a church or to a Christian? Sure, I, I'm, we're supposed to do that. So that's the figurative interpretation. And we all do that as we go through the Bible. Now, the third interpretation is the prophetic. Now, this is this one's not quite so easy uh, until you get into prophecy and you begin to understand it. Then, then it jumps out at you. For instance, uh, those seven churches. I believe they are prophetic. Now, this would be the third thing I would look for. I'd look for the literal. I'd look for things that I can apply to my life. Don't be a lukewarm Christian. Don't be a lukewarm preacher. You know, whatever, you, know you can apply it in many ways. Uh, don't don't lose your first love. Make sure as you preach. Make sure as you pastor your people. Don't lose that first love. That love for Jesus. And uh, so these are ways we apply it figuratively to our life. But then the prophetic. I look at that passage and those seven. Seven churches, and and it jumps out at me that as I go through those seven churches, I'm going through the history of the of the church age, starting with Ephesus in John's day, and ending up with the Laodicean church that's uh, that Jesus uh, wants to spew out of his mouth because they're lukewarm and they're they think they're rich and they're but yet he says they're blind and wretched and poor and miserable and naked. He said, "I counsel thee, buy of me gold trying the fire." By the way, uh, we keep going back to this. Bible, they shall buy of me gold, trying the pride in the fire, that thou mayest be rich. I believe he's talking about his word, the word of God, and uh, that that church, that last church, has lost the authority, and the we've lost his word, and we don't know which way is up anymore. We and we don't know what's right, we don't know what's wrong, and uh, and he says, I counsel thee, buy of me riches, buy of me gold, trying the fire. Get back to the word of God. So that's the three ways to look at scriptures uh, that I mentioned in the chapter, and I give a lot of examples. For instance, another good example, and this is worth uh, worth uh, talking about because this is, this is a big part of prophecy and, and the two witnesses, but Matthew 17. It begins in verse 1, And after six days Jesus taketh Peter, James, and John up apart into a mountain to pray. Uh, that's the, what we know of. We call it the transfiguration. Great story. Number one, it's a literal story. It really happened. Jesus really did take Peter, James, and John up on top of that mountain. Mo, uh, Moses and Elijah literally appeared on that mountain with Jesus. He was glorified in front of them. Peter said, Lord, it's good to be here. <laughs> uh, yeah, I guess so. Uh, it's a literal story. Yet there's there's figurative lessons there, and uh, you know Peter said, "Lord, it's good to be here." You could you could preach on that. Hey, it's good to be in the presence of God. Hey, hey, it's good to be with God's people. It's good to have the the power of God on your life. You know, you can apply all those things figuratively and and uh, and learn from. But yet there's a prophetic lesson of Matthew 17 and the transfiguration. The prophetic lesson is what? Did, why does the Bible say? After six days, why is that important? Why did God put that in the Bible? After six days, who? What's the big deal? How about after six thousand years of history? 
<laughs> How about a day is with the Lord is a thousand years and a thousand years is a day? How about Jesus, the Lord's telling us after the six thousandth year ends, he taketh Peter, James, and John up. There's the rapture of the church apart, uh, to pray. They're going to a marriage supper. And, uh, and as soon as they go up, guess what? Two men come down, Moses and Elijah, who I believe are the two witnesses, and I believe the transfiguration is added proof of the identity of those two candlesticks, as they're called in Zechariah, the two candlesticks that, uh, that, um, uh, that, come, back, that come down and their ministry is 1260 days. Um, I believe that that's the reason they came down. You ever wonder what, what happened at the transfiguration? Why, why, did, why is that in the Bible? Why did those two men come down? What did they talk about? Here's what I believe. I believe Moses and Elijah are the two witnesses. Uh, now, Brother Doug and Brother Joe, this will be easy for you because you guys are investigators and you understand court proceedings and laws and legal things. And if you, if a witness gets on the stand and the and the uh, uh, the defense attorney or whoever or the prosecutor wants him to tell what he saw. If that witness gets up there and says, "Well, my brother said that that the, the that the red car came out went through the red light," okay. the prosecutor, yeah, objection. No way to hearsay. What do you, what do you mean your brother saw? Well, well, I, where were you? Well, I was watching TV. My brother came home, told me the red car went through the red light and uh, caused that accident. Well, you know that that witness uh, has got no validity there. He he didn't see it with his own eyes, or he didn't hear it. So I believe the two witnesses have got to see and hear something if they're going to be a witness. They're coming back to preach to Israel for 1,260 days. They have to have seen with their own eyes. They have to have heard with their own ears. So they saw Jesus in his glorified body on the mountain of transfiguration. They're going to come back and tell the Jews, I've seen the Messiah. I've seen Jesus. He is the Messiah. I've seen him in his glorified body. I also believe they're the two, they're the two men at, at the empty tomb when Mary comes, the two men in white apparel. I, I believe that it's Moses and Elijah. I believe they had to see the empty tomb. I believe they had to witness the resurrection because they've got to convince those Jews we saw it. By the way, Moses and Elijah, pretty, pretty, pretty authoritative, uh, men to, uh, give witness to the Jews. I mean, I mean, they, the Bible talks about Moses all the time. That's, he's a pretty big deal to them. And so is Elijah. And God shows them to come back and convince those Jews during the tribulation that Jesus is, was, and is, and always will be the Messiah to the world. And thirdly, in Acts chapter one, when Jesus is getting ready to go back to heaven, and uh, he ascends to heaven in Acts chapter 1. Remember, they're, they're standing there. I uh, used to preach on this. Why stands he gazing? They're gazing up into heaven. They're like they're in shock. He's gone. He's really gone. And remember, the two men in white apparel show up. We, we always say they're angels, but I, I don't believe that, that, that they are. I believe it's Moses and Elijah. And they, they, they say, why stands ye gazing? This same Jesus shall so come in like man if you've seen him go. Go back to Jerusalem like he said, and, and tarry in Jerusalem until you be endued with power. 
power from on high. And uh, so they go back, and of course, ten days later is Pentecost, and they get filled with the Holy Spirit, and they they go out and they preach, and they and they tell the they tell the world that uh, Jesus died for their sins, and they got to be saved. And and uh, so I believe that the two men on the Mount of Transfiguration, there's no doubt that Moses and Elijah. The purpose of that, they had to witness uh, these these things because they're coming back, and all that to say this: the, the prophetic side of of the of the scripture there in Matthew 17 is very powerful. The church goes up, Peter, James, and John, they go up in the rapture. In fact, we're probably going to meet them on the way up. Moses and Elijah are coming down. We'll wave to them on the way. Moses and Elijah are coming straight to Israel, straight to Jerusalem. Their whole ministry is going to be right there. And they're going to tell what they've heard and what they've seen. And uh, what what a story. And of course, after six days, six uh, 6,000 years. So, um, my goodness, we're almost there, aren't we? 6,000 years, 4,000 in the Old Testament, 2,000 in the New. Um, so there's another evidence there how close to the end we are. We're, we're on the brink of the end of the, of the, of the second, uh, period of the church, the second thousand year period, 2,000 years of the church age. We're almost there. Very interesting, and, and thanks for that uh, that uh, overview of the biblical or Bible interpretations. You know, very much similar um, the rabbinical uh, approach and, and the you know my study in and studying, for example, um, um, oh, uh, and I'm sure you know Paul McGuire. Uh, I believe that yes. I believe he wrote about this uh, in the Babylon Code. You know, that you have the literal, you have the implied, the, the metaphorical, and then you have the secret or slash mystical kind of interpretation, which is used. I, I, I suppose that is referenced uh, for the um, uh, uh, New World Order. You know, ushering in the New World Order. So, or, or, or the 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 perversion. It wouldn't even be an interpretation; it'd be more of a perversion. But that's that's good. Okay, fantastic information. All right. Um, speaking of interpreting scriptures. Uh, in your book, you give three ways to interpret the scriptures. Can you, which, you we just, we just that's yeah. Oh, okay. No, that, that's what we're referring to. That's I'm that sorry. because no, it, it, we just covered a lot of real estate there. I so. just missed the first part of that. Okay. No, I mean, so the literal, the the implied, the metaphorical, and the yeah. Okay. Or okay. the prophetic, as you term it. So yeah, that's because I got kind of lost in, in that whole not not in your you know not in your um. Presentation, but the, I got lost in terms of the um, the levels of study, I suppose. So anyway, go, go on. Yep, go on. I'm just uh, I'm a simple preacher. I'm a simple writer. Um, I try to I try to use simple words, and uh, I try to be real practical. Um, three ways that we look at the Bible: literal, figurative, prophetic. I gave examples yep. of of yep. all that. Yep. I think it puts it on the bottom shelf. And uh, I think those things that Paul was talking about in his book and what you just mentioned, those are equally right. Um, those are those are big words, though. Those would be tough for a lot of us guys out here to grasp, I think. <laughs> well, I, I, I do like your your approach because when I look at uh, and I think yours, rather than uh, me looking at a, at a Bible to uh, to for analysis and for as an investigative tool, I look at it for inspiration and for knowledge. So that's more in line with. I, I mean, I agree with that as opposed to you know the the rabbinical studies or the um, more in depth biblical studies. So I got you. All right, and, and it's right on the money with that. So all right, okay, uh, perfect. So yeah, and it's interesting too how you point out that. Uh, uh, 
Well, yeah, you know what? Take us wherever you want to go because there's so much more to talk about. <laughs> I, you know, I mean, I, I, mean, got I love these part kind of things, though. I, I, you know, I we 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 have talking points, you know, and, and every every program does that. They they want the author to help them. You know, what what do we need to hit here? Sure. But I like it when it I like it when it goes like like it is here. I like it when we get off track and we just we just we just go. I mean, I love that. And uh, spirit led. I've got books here. I've got I've got stuff scattered around here in case you ask this question. I might need this. But for the most part, I'm I'm just off the cuff here. A lot of the stuff's in my head and in my heart. I've I've written about it. I preach about it all the time. I talk with people on the phone all day long about these things. I did two interviews this morning with Southwest Radio Church, and and I scheduled you at the same time tonight because I man, hey, just keep it going. I can talk about this stuff all day long. Let me let me finish up with this. Uh, what you asked about Palm Sunday because I gave the facts about it, and uh, but there, there's more to this story and it's so important. It's such a huge historical event that we've all we've all read about the donkey and him going down in the palms and all, but but I think we've missed what what it's all about. Um, but if I could, let let me just quickly uh, before we forget, time will be up. Let me quickly give my if I could my Facebook page. Sure. Uh, if, if if the listeners are interested, of course they can find me. Um, just Google me. But if you Google God's Final Jubilee, the whole page, uh, you can find me all over there. Um, the website is GodsFinalJubilee.com. Uh, I have an email, Daniel at GodsFinalJubilee.com. So very simple. It's all God's Final Jubilee. Uh, my Facebook page, just put God's Final Jubilee in your search it bar up there, and there there it is. Just uh, we'd welcome your your listeners, anybody that would like to. Check out the Facebook page. I post a lot of news items and things, and I, I try to share where I'm going to be speaking. I have a newsletter. If they go to my website, a box will pop up. You put your email in there. You'll get my weekly newsletter. And uh, all right, with that out of the way, let me share a couple more things about this Palm Sunday event that's so amazing. So he rides in on the donkey four days before the cross. It's the exact day that uh, Moses, or that uh, Dan, not Moses, Daniel. It's the same exact date that Daniel prophesied in chapter nine, when Messiah would be cut off. Uh, I was beginning to get into the fact that pa- uh, Passover is a four-day event, not a one-day event. Yes, the the killing of the lamb, the blood on the doorpost happens on the fourteenth. Uh, however, that's the killing of the lamb. But first, you've got to have the choosing of the lamb, which took place in Exodus twelve. It took place on the 10th of Nisan, four days before Passover. They were to choose a lamb out of the flock. It had to be a male lamb. It it couldn't be ill. It couldn't have an eye missing. And they had to watch that lamb for four days to be sure that it was a perfect lamb. And then they would kill it and shed its blood, eat it, and put the blood on the doorpost. And, you know, we, we know the story there. So that's the day. The choosing of the lamb is the day he rode in on the donkey. So what's the significance of that? The significance of that is he rides in on that day. And they need their their job is to choose him as the lamb, and then he would be crucified. And of course, they rejected him, and uh, so he rides in on that exact day, Passover being a four day event, the choosing of the lamb and the killing of the lamb. When he rode in that day, probably in the courtyard, the exact moment he rides in on the donkey, the high priest is probably in the courtyard choosing a lamb. For, for the nation of Israel for Passover, not realizing the lamb 
Jesus Christ has come in the eastern gate and presented himself as Israel's lamb, and uh, but he would be rejected and he would be hung on the cross. So, but of course, that was what was supposed to happen. He, for this cause, came I unto this hour. He came to die on the cross. Now, here's where it really gets interesting. Um, in John chapter 5 and verse 43, let me read a verse here that Jesus spoke just probably days before before he rides in on the donkey. Jesus made a statement in John chapter 5, verse 43. It's all in the book. Um, he said this, I am come in my Father's name, and ye receive me not. If another shall come in his own name, him ye will receive. Uh, see, Jesus was coming as prophesied in Daniel 9 in, in his Father's name, and he presented himself as the Messiah to the, to the, to the, to Israel, and they, they received him not. But he says, if another shall come, now that's future, if another shall come in his own name, him ye will receive. What he's saying there is, you're not going to accept me. I, I'm the Son of God. I'm the Messiah. I'm the prophesied one. Here I am. I'm your, I'm, I'm your Messiah. You're going to reject me. But one of these days in the future, somebody else is going to come. He's going to present himself to the nation of Israel as their Messiah, and him they will receive. And we know what that is. We know that that's going to be the false Christ, the Antichrist. I call him the counterfeiter. He's the guy in Revelation 6 uh, with the opening of the first seal um, that is crowned, and the crown is given to him. And uh, he has a bow with no arrows, and he's crowned as the, as, as the leader of the world, the one world order. And uh, that's the Antichrist. And by the way, he comes on a white horse. He's the counterfeiter. He comes representing uh, Christianity's Christ. He comes representing or trying to fool people or make people think he's deity and he's God. And uh, that really comes out when in the middle of the tribulation when he goes in the temple. But um, So that passage there, I'm coming in my Father's name, and you receive me not. If another shall come in his own name, him ye will receive. Now, you know, everybody's looking for this Messiah. Everybody in the world is looking for something. The Catholics don't believe in the rapture. And uh, they are planning to bring the kingdom. I don't know if you know that. I'm sure you do. But the, the Catholics believe they're going to. The church is going to bring in the kingdom age. By the way, they are uh, not the kingdom they're expecting, but they are going to assist in the bringing in of a kingdom through the false prophet. And uh, the Muslims. So much about the Muslims in our in our in recent years and months here. Uh, the Muslims are also looking for their Messiah. They don't necessarily call him Messiah, but the Muslims are awake the twelfth Imam, who is supposed to come up out of that well that uh, Minajad told us about, he's going to come up out of that well and rule for seven years. Praise God! Mine's coming in the sky on a white horse. Their guy's coming up out of a well. I don't. I think I'll. I think I'll stick with mine. And. Uh, the saints, you and I, all the believers, the saints are also waiting for something. We're, we're awaiting the rapture. We're awaiting the Lord to meet us in the air, take us off this world. We're going to have a seven-year waiting wedding feast up in, up in heaven, the marriage supper of the Lamb. And uh, so there's a fourth group, the Jews. The Jews are also awaiting a Messiah. See, they rejected Christ 2,000 years ago. They are awaiting their Messiah. 
uh, he'll they will have their Messiah, but he'll be the false Messiah. He'll be the Antichrist, and uh, that's uh, what the Lord meant in John five forty three. You, you've not accepted me. You didn't receive me, but you will receive this guy that comes in the future. And for the first three and a half years, they will accept him until he enters the temple and the two witnesses get up and go back to heaven. That's when the light comes on and they realize they've been fooled. They realize Jesus is, was, is, and always shall be the Messiah, the Savior of the world, and they're going to turn to him. And uh, so uh, with all that said, yeah, if we got a few minutes here, um, I can show you where this leads to and something very interesting that happened just uh, two years ago now with with our president. Have we got time yes. for that? Absolutely, yes. Yeah, we're gonna right. make time. All right, let's this, rock. This is in the book, and uh, this is this all has to do with this Palm Sunday thing. I'm telling you, this is a huge historical event. When he rode down that hill in that donkey, he fulfilled Daniel nine. He uh, presented himself as their Messiah. They uh, they hung him on a cross. They rejected him, and he said he said that that would happen. And there's somebody else coming in the future that's going to fulfill that same thing. I believe this. I believe the Antichrist will fulfill the seven feasts just like Jesus did and I uh, I talk about that in the book we don't have time to get into all that but I believe uh, the Messiah I believe the Antichrist because he's the counterfeiter I believe he will fulfill in some way those seven feasts like Jesus did for instance the Antichrist is going to uh, we believe that he's, he's he dies and he comes back to life he has a wound and he, he comes back whether he really dies or not or whether it's fake that doesn't matter but he's going to he's going to have his Passover isn't he um, by the way that could happen at the middle of the tribulation too um, um, right there when he enters the temple he, that's where that could happen we're not sure but uh, so he'll have his resurrection his first fruits like Jesus did feast of Passover feast of unleavened bread feast of first fruits um, however if the, if the Antichrist is going to fulfill Passover, he also has to fulfill Nissan 10, or he has to be, he has to be chosen. He has to present himself as the Messiah, just like Jesus did. Now, here's what's interesting. Um, now this, this starts out, first of all, with, with, with the Pope, the Pope that resigned. That's where I'm going to start here. I'll go through this kind of quick here, but, um, this is what happened in 2013. On February 11th, the Pope announced, now this was the, the 265th Pope, not the one we have now, the one right before him, who's still living in the Vatican, by the way, uh, which has never, never happened in the history of the world. Both Popes living in there. But anyway, February 11th, 2013, just uh, you know, three years ago now, I guess, but the Pope announced his resignation. This announcement is made six days. Notice the numbers here, six. Six days before, after the president announces he's going to Israel, six days later, the Pope announces, I'm resigning. Now, there's something there. Six days mm -hmm. after the president says, I'm going to Israel, the Pope says, I'm going home. <laughs> I'm resigning. All right, He officially resigns 16 days later, but that doesn't matter. He makes his announcement, I'm done. I'm going to resign. Um, only happened six other times in history where a Pope resigned. He's number six. February 11th. 600 today, years. Right, right. Yeah, six hundred years. Yep, law yep. six is there. Yep. Yeah, and we'll get into that. The same day, February eleventh, six hours after announcing he's resigning. He made his announcement at noon. Exactly six hours later, at exactly six PM, lightning strikes Saint Peter's Basilica. 
I've seen pictures of it. This is all documented, by the way. Websites and newspaper articles, all documented here. This really happened. So he makes his announcement six days after the president announces he's going to Israel for the first time ever. Six days later, the Pope says, I'm done. Six hours later, at exactly 6 p.m., lightning strikes St. Peter's Basilica. This scripture immediately comes to my mind, Luke chapter 10. He said unto them, I beheld Satan as lightning fall from heaven. Thus, uh, then, he is the first pope in 600 years to resign. In fact, he is said to have been only one of six popes ever to resign, though that's hard to document because they obviously don't want that uh, necessarily want that published. But it's it's believed that he's the sixth pope in 600 years ever to resign. Um, there's some other stuff here. I'll skip some of this, but. Uh, the 9/11 thing in 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 Israel in uh, in Italy. Uh, if you dial 911, you don't dial 911. You dial 112. He's the he's the he was the 112th pope from 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 that Mount Malici guy, the guy Malik Malici guy. He's the 112th pope from that, and 112 is emergency in in Rome. Um, so the next pope is the 113th pope from the from that Malachi guy, Malici or whatever you call that guy. Um, and this is interesting. So in uh, the 113th Pope began his reign, now this is the Pope we have now, March 13th, 2013. He was announced as the new Pope at exactly 8.13 p.m. Notice the 13s here. 113th Pope, uh, 3, 13, 13, at 8.13 p.m. He's he's announced to the world that he's the Pope. This is all documented, by the way. I promise you, this is documented. This These numbers are right. The new pope was elected seven days before Obama arrives in Israel. Also worth noting is the United States federal government declared all payments would be electronic by March 13th, 2013. Um, you can't make this stuff up. I got that documented too. I got it in the fine print here. Uh, they said uh, by, the, by March 13th, 2013, no more checks will be mailed from the federal government. All money will be electronic. And, uh, interesting. So this began the same day the 113th Pope took office. Same day. Uh, no more paper checks. It's all electronic now, leading us right into the mark of the beast and uh, the one world uh, electronic currency that really is already here, just hasn't fully been instituted yet because we still got Ben Franklin $100 bills in our wallets for now, but that's going to come to an end. All right, here's where it really gets interesting. Um, so seven days before the president arrives in Israel, the 113th Pope is sworn in 8.13 p.m. on 3.13.13 2,000 years ago, Jesus Christ made his appearance to Israel on the 10th of Nisan. We call it Palm Sunday. The president, President Obama, arrives in Israel on March 20th, which is the evening of the 10th of Nisan on the Jewish calendar. You can't make this up. The, the president arrives in Israel on Air Force One the same day that 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 Jesus rode down the hill on the donkey and presented himself to Israel. March 20th was Nissan the 10th in 2013. I'm sure your listeners know the two calendars don't synchronize. The Jewish calendar uh, only has 354 days in it. Our calendar has 365. So every year these dates are different. And so March 20th on our calendar, and that's why most people miss all this stuff. March 20th on our calendar was the 10th of the month Nissan on their calendar. March 24th was Passover, Nissan 14. All right. Most of the president's diplomacy took place on the 10th 
of Nisan. It's all documented here. Uh, Jesus came riding a donkey. The president presented himself to Israel, supported by the Democratic Party, which has what? A donkey as its symbol. Now, now, I hope you listeners don't call me. I've had ladies call me and say, Brother Goodman, I, I checked in on the Internet. The president never rode a donkey. I'm not saying he rode a donkey. I'm saying he is supported by the Democrat Party, which has as its symbol a donkey. Jesus was praised when he presented himself to Israel. The president received honor and praise upon his arrival. There was even an ice sculpture, and I'm not kidding. There was an ice sculpture called an image of the president. And uh, <laughs> Revelation 13, 14, the image of the beast. Am I saying that the president is the, is the Antichrist? Yes. No. <laughs> I'm not saying he is. Uh, I'm saying he could be. Um, I don't know. We're not going to know because we're going to be gone before he's revealed. But isn't it interesting, all these things that, that fit with this man. Just look at this man's for the last seven years. Uh, but, hey, it gets worse. Uh, Jesus enters Jerusalem as the peace of peace, a uh, prince of peace. The president entered as a bearer of what was called an unshakable alliance, uh, a peace agreement that he brought. Um, let's see, and let me finish up here. These, there was some confusion. Now this, don't miss this. Don't miss this. There was some confusion about the Lord's place of birth in the Bible, just as there is a great controversy about President Obama's place of birth. And uh, remember in the Bible, remember when uh, um, Nathaniel meets the Lord in the book of John, and he, he said, man, i got to go get, i got to go get, actually, uh, uh, I think it was Philip. And Th- Philip first findeth Nathaniel, and he says, come see a man, is not this the Messiah? Remember what Nathaniel said? Nathaniel knew his Bible, by the way. Nathaniel said, can anything good come out of Nazareth? Wow. See, he knew Messiah doesn't come from Nazareth. The Bible says he comes from Bethlehem of Judea. Now, by the way, Jesus did come from, but he was born in Bethlehem. God used a wicked king, caused that king to raise taxes and have everybody go to their hometown and be counted and sign up for the taxes, which meant that Joseph and Mary is pregnant, uh, not even his wife yet, his espoused wife. They go to Drew, they go to Bethlehem to sign up and, and, and guess what? Prophecies for Jesus, the Messiah, is born in the right place at the right time. And uh, a secret to most people. And uh, so Nathaniel had a good point. Uh, this guy's from Nazareth. He's a carpenter's son. He's, he lives on the other side of the tracks. Nothing happens in Nazareth. Nothing biblical happens over there. He can't be the one. Uh, so do you see the controversy here? Jesus had a, a little discrepancy about his birth. If you were a Bible believer, you had questions about this. Uh, is he the Messiah? I mean, he, he didn't come from Bethlehem. What, what's going on here? Well, look at our look at our president. There's some confusion about uh, our president and uh, where he was born. So, um, so that that's that's a, a little nutshell there. This is all in the book, all documented. Uh, the president riding into Jerusalem, riding into Israel on the on the tenth of Nisan, the exact same day Jesus rode in, presenting himself as the Messiah. And I'm telling you, you watch this man. You watch you watch our president. Watch how he. Watch how he holds himself. Watch how he holds his head up. You listen to his speeches if you can stomach it. And it, I, me, me, my, I'm going to do this, this, this. It's all about a very proud man. And, and you study the scriptures and the attributes of the Antichrist. And and uh, he, you know, he'll have no love of women. I, that don't necessarily mean that the, that the Antichrist is 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 a, is a homosexual. I think it means he's got an agenda 
and then and women are just a side thing for him. He he's got a he's got something bigger than that. He's 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 going to rule the world. And there's a lot of things in the Bible about the Antichrist, attributes about him. And and uh, uh, I know a lot of people say, well, it can't be it can't be him because the the Antichrist comes out of the revived Roman Empire. Well, and I look at him and I and I laugh. I say, well, where in the world do you think America came from? We are the revived. We are the the Roman Empire. We are Europe. We're the Lions Cub. We came out of England. We are Europe. And uh, I asked people, I said, uh, you know, where's the United Nations? That's over in London, right? No. Uh, Paris? No. Uh, Babylon? No. The United Nations that rules the world is right here in America, and we rule that thing. That The, the United Nations does nothing that we don't allow. They're on our property for goodness sake. We can go put a padlock on the door. We run that thing. By the way... Uh, uh, you probably reported on this already in one of your shows, but uh, the president would like to be the secretary general, wouldn't he? Oh, absolutely. Um, so whether yeah. he, you know, if he is the antichrist, he could be. I don't know. If he is, he can he can take over from the from the presidency or as the UN secretary general, which is still right here in America. Re- remember when he first came into uh, public under public scrutiny, Drudge, um, other outlets reporting that he was the citizen of the world, referring to this, uh, in part, the murkiness about his um, um, uh, pedigree. However, now, now, of course, now we're talking about the ruler of the world referencing, or king of the world referencing the uh, United Nations uh uh, potential United Nations um, uh, position. Yes, I, I, I do suspect that Obama has his eyes set on that position at the UN. I just want to throw something out here, um, uh, uh, Mr. Govan. Uh, folks, you know, we're, we're talking about this. This is intellectual discussion about uh, uh, about a number of things. You know, everything that we're talking about here, it's amazing to me, uh, 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 Mr. Goodwin. Well, let me ask you, do you find it amazing that he, we all agree that Jesus Christ is our Lord and Savior, and you have to, I mean, the only way to heaven is through him, yet when you start talking about issues like this, man, people just get like, oh, you know, I mean, so dogmatic about their belief system that they they tend to want to shut off all intellectual discussion about things like this, and it just it it's really it, it just saddens me that we can't that some people are so dogmatic about their position, whether it's you know pre trib post trib, um, as long as you're scripturally accurate and and you know back up by scripture, I don't I, I don't see any problem with uh with uh, um, uh intellectual discussion. Do you? I mean, I I just want to I, toss that yeah. out there to you. I I get a kick out of something, brother brother Doug. Um, People tell you all the time, well, you can't know who the Antichrist is. We, he won't reveal. I understand that. And then you say, you know what? So-and-so sure fits the bill. Oh, it isn't him. And I, <laughs> yeah. I laugh and say, wait a minute. We both ways. You said we can't know, so how do you know it's not him? Uh, <laughs> right, right. Yeah, and I just want to toss it out because I know you're, you'll probably get emails and saying, oh, you're, this is, oh, this is all hogwash. But, but, you know, at the end of the day, we can. We're allowed to discuss this around the conference table. I mean, and because at the end of the day, we all agree it where salvation lies exists, right? I mean, that's yeah. And, and, so. It should all be right. discussed. I mean, um, and, and and if the people are so, and if, if you are, if you're listening to this, and I just want to get on my my soapbox just for a moment. If you're listening to this, and your faith is so fragile that we can't talk about this, man, you better read your Bible. Turn off this this show and read your Bibles because Amen. you know, end the story. All right, there. Preach it, brother. I like it. All right. Go ahead, sir. Well, hey, look, this you just tossed a lot out here. I mean, um, uh, 2, 2, 11, 13, uh, yeah, there's something funny going on, obviously. And we know the Vatican is, is 
Uh, I, look, I went to a, a, a Jesuit seminary, a minor Jesuit seminary, and you know something? I, I didn't know what that stood for when I was young. I didn't. I had no clue of any of this. Like sixth to eighth grade. No, 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 no. I'm talking about uh, you know the my high school. Formative, yeah, okay. high school and, and beyond a little bit. But but I, I guess I guess I never knew this. And and people accuse me. Well, you're a Jesuit assassin, Vatican assassin, or something. You know, some <laughs> weird thing. But but it, this, despite this. Um, now I'm looking critically at, at the Vatican, um, not at the Catholics, because, and, and that, trans, that translates into you look at the Vatican, you're, you're picking on Catholics. No, right. we're not. No, we're not. No. That's uh, like anyway. looking at the, the, the government of the United States and, and saying you're talking about the citizens. Yeah. So, sorry. I, I just had to kind of go off on my tangent there. So, go ahead. But this, this Obama stuff is interesting. I don't know, man. Yeah. I got a weird, weird feeling about this guy. Yeah, um, I do too, and I think, uh, see, I, I believe this, and I have a Revelation study guide that a lot of folks have gotten, and I give a theme for each chapter. I believe with all my soul the Revelation 18, the Babylon, I believe that's political Babylon, and I believe it's speaking about America. Uh, a lot of people disagree with me, that's fine. I believe America is the Babylon of Revelation 18. I believe we are going to head up the one world order. And uh, uh, that, that's what I believe. Uh, I, I agree with that. You know, from 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 an investigative point of view now, and looking at your material, and and folks, this is why um, I like to look at uh, all books, but especially your book, because you bring up some absolutely excellent points. And uh, and I'm just going to toss this out there to the listeners. Paul McGuire wrote the uh, in the. Uh, uh, well, he wrote the Babylon Code. I'm trying to think of his co-author. Anyway, but your book, God's Final Jubilee, you bring up some very, very interesting analytical points as an investigator. Me, my, my profession, I look at this and I'm thinking, wait a minute, man. You know, this is, I mean, this is some good meat here. This is some good investigative material, good evidence, not proof, but evidence. There's a difference, folks, that we're, you know, not only are we in the end times, but we're starting to see things shape up that, yeah, America... And it looks, uh, evidence is stacking yep. up that America is the Babylon. Let me give you oh. another tidbit on that same line here. Uh, June 7, 1967, uh, is the day that the, the Six Day War, that's the day that those Jew, those soldiers marched into Jerusalem and took the, and took the holy city for the first time in a, a uh, couple thousand years. They, they, they now own Jerusalem. June 7th, 1967. You can see black and white footage of it. Soldiers are crying. They're, they're at the wailing walls. Amazing. Uh, the same guy that blew the shofar in 1917 was there and blew the shofar in Jerusalem. Uh, what we have found out, if you, if you begin counting days from June 7th, 1967, and you use God's calendar, the 360 day year, what you find is exactly 49 biblical years from June 7th, you come to September 23rd of, of, of this past fall, and it happens to be the Day of Atonement, which is the Jubilee. Every 49 years on the, on the Day of Atonement, the trumpet of the Jubilee is sounded. It's a perfect Jubilee cycle. And guess who's in the White House? The President and the Pope are together at the White House on the Day of Atonement, Yom Kippur, exactly a biblical 49-year cycle, jubilee cycle to the day. Now, my goodness, what is God trying to tell us here? God is shining the light saying, listen, look at these things. Everything's falling into place. Wake up. Your redemption draweth nigh. Jesus is getting ready to come back. Man. 
Yeah, you, you, it would be very difficult to, to orchestrate so, it, circumstantial evidence. Um, the different there's different types of evidence, direct evidence, and so on. But circumstantial evidence, like for example, uh, Obama and the Pope being present on that date, to me that is classified as circumstantial evidence. But but we, it's it's that you can't manufacture that. See that that's and people people think they know stuff, but they don't know it. You know, and, and, but you point this out. It's really interesting because you cannot manufacture circumstantial evidence. People can't do it. So it's you have to look at other sources, and, and you're right. Is God trying to tell us something here? Is He trying to show us something? Very, very interesting. Hmm. Wow. Yeah. You know, brother wow. Doug, I, I I have a chapter in the book called "Are We the Last Generation?" and I give some pretty pretty amazing things in there. For one thing, I think we're the last generation because we're the first generation in the history of the world where one man could effectively Ruled the whole world from from an airplane, <laughs> uh, hint hint, from an airplane, from an office. <laughs> uh, you know, you know, they built something under the White House uh, under this administration. Nobody knows what what they did there. Yeah, uh, you probably you probably know more about that than I do. That was real secret. There's something built under the White House. Uh, yes, maybe it's a yes. a safe house or something somewhere for you know to be safe. I'm not against that. Uh, we want to protect our presidents, but. Uh, uh, one man today could rule the whole world from 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 an airplane, from a from an office building. Not only that, we're the first generation in the history of the world where the world could where the world could destroy itself today. That was never possible even 50 years ago. Even in 1945, the two bombs dropped on uh, on Japan. Those were firecrackers compared to what we have today. The world could destroy itself. Now we we see that. Um, I also I, I found this out. I can't prove this, but I, I've read that uh, that one nuclear submarine out there in the ocean has more firepower than all the bombs dropped by all three sides during World War II. Now you let that sink in for a second. One submarine has more destructive firepower than all the bombs dropped in World War II. I don't know if that's true or not. I, I've read that. I'm not sure that I can prove that, but uh, that's something to, to think on. Well, that's uh, yeah, uh, uh, hard to fathom. I don't think we, I don't think anyone can prove it because of the classification of, of uh, you know the, the weaponry. However, I certainly, uh, knowing what we know today about about the weapons, yeah, I can see that. So yeah, um, mm, okay, all right. So it, we're getting close. We're getting close. Yeah. We are uh, we are the last generation. Uh, one man can rule the world. That's that was never possible before. We can see it clear as day today. Uh, the world, you know, the Bible says uh, in Matthew uh, that unless the Lord shorten the days, there should no flesh be saved. How was that possible in in George Washington's day with his flintlock in his hand? Uh, exactly. But we understand that today. We understand how uh, nuclear war could be devastating. We we could literally destroy humanity in in a few hours here on the earth, and uh, we we can see that today. Um, uh, knowledge shall be increased in the last day. My goodness, the knowledge that you have on at your fingertips on your phone. Uh, I mean, you got a question about something. What what, what happens? Your, your teenager in the house will, in in about ten seconds, he'll Google it and he'll tell you the answer. I mean, knowledge and, shall be increased. And what perplexes me about that is is the abundance of knowledge that is increased. Yet the scriptures say, "My people perish for a lack of knowledge." Right, yeah. Hosea four six. My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. That's the truth, and uh, how sad that is. 
um, uh, men shall run to and fro. Boy, we we see that. We see that today. But I'll tell you, yeah. one of the biggest evidences is Israel. Keep your eye on Israel. Israel's mm-hmm. the key to it all because, look, the end time's about them. God is pulling us out. I wish we had another two hours, but <laughs> God is pulling us out of here because because the attention is changing from us to, to them. Remember, the 70th week of Daniel, the tribulation, which which so many of the post-trib guys are confused about, the, the, the 70th week of Daniel is Old Testament. Remember he said, 70 weeks are determined upon who? Thy people, the holy city, Israel. Not the church, not the New Testament people. Now, only 69 of those weeks happened. And the church is stuck in. It's a parenthesis between the 69th and 70th week. It's stuck in there. Now, when we're done... He pulls us out, and he goes right back. And if I had time, I could, I could show you something pretty amazing uh, about the timeline. I believe that he's pulling us out the same second the clock stopped 2,000 years ago. I believe the, the – uh, in fact, I have a chess clock that I use when I preach this. And uh, I show how when our clock stops at the rapture, their clock starts again right to the second where it stopped. And I think I know where that happened. We don't have time to get into that. Uh, in other words, it's going to be a perfect 6,000-year earth, not to the month, not to the week, not to the day, right to the second. It's going to be a perfect 6,000 years, and then, of course, a perfect 1,000-year millennium. And uh, But we're going right back to the Old Testament. We're going back to dealing with Israel and uh, we're taken out of here. We can't, it isn't that we can't be here to be persecuted. We can't be here because it's not about us at that time. It's about Israel. And we're taken out. We're the bride of Christ. We're going up there for a seven-year marriage supper. Uh, hey, if you're a post-tribber, where's the marriage supper of the Lamb? Where's the seven-year marriage supper? Uh, is that during the millennium? No. Uh, the marriage supper takes place. Hey, when 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 all hell's breaking loose down here for the tribulation, Brother Joe, Brother Doug, we're going to have cake on our face. We're going to be eating cake and ice cream up there with the Lord at the marriage supper. We're going to become the bride of Christ. We're going to be married to Him. And uh, that's going to be a wonderful time. But it's not going to be a wonderful time down here on this earth. Well, amen, Mr. Goodwin, and I hope you're right. With that, we have reached the end of our show. I want to thank you uh, so much for your time tonight and sharing your insights. Again, folks, Go to GodsFinalJubilee.com. Get Dan Goodwin's uh, newest book, God's Final Jubilee. It's new in a sense that it is a book that has uh, additions to it. And oh, yeah, a lot of additions. Yeah, as I said, we uh, had the pleasure of meeting him in Florida uh, last March and interviewing him for Prophecy in the News Conference yeah. DVD. A great man uh, and a, a great teacher and speaker. And has been an evangelist as long as I've been alive. That's right, which is, says something uh, about both <laughs> Mr. Goodwin and you. Anyway, uh, man, I'll tell you, it was great having you on. It was great to uh, talk with you. Facebook, uh, all social networking, and your website, heavenbound1.net, as well as godsfinaljubilee.com. Your books are there for sale, and, of course, your social networking. In about 30 seconds, is there anything you'd like to... Well, 45 seconds, I guess we got. Anything you'd like to close with, uh, sir? Yes, uh, I think you were talking to me. You cut out on me there. Um, yeah. Really appreciate you, you guys having me on. And uh, Man, I love coming on. We... <laughs> I think we talked about a lot of the talking points, but that's the way I like it. We just you just go with the flow and uh, have a good time. And um, next time we'll do this again, I'll tell you about something about Stephen and where I think this timeline's at and why. And I got some amazing things I'd like to share with you that 
uh, some of them are not in the book. Interesting. Well, we'd we'll love have to have you back. back. Absolutely. If we you'll have, come back. We have reached the end of the show, and we do hope to have you back, Mr. Goodman. It's been a pleasure, as always, and we will stay in touch. God bless you and your ministry. Folks, that'll do it for us tonight. Until now, if anything happens during the weekend, we will be back live. We've got a great week lined up for you next week. Yes, so we do. Sure to stay tuned to the website. And as my dad said, any any major incidents happens, we will be here ready to broadcast. God bless everyone, and we have left the building. This is the Global Star Radio Network.